It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Craig Hoffman back in the chair today, back home in D.C. after a great week in Indianapolis. Uh, Anthony Haney is, is back in his chair. And you need to tilt your camera up a little bit. Uh, yeah, we don't, we, we got, yep. Yeah. Oh, hey, there's the top of Anthony's head. YouTube, you can say hello to Anthony Haney now. He's, he's, he's there. We're, we're back. We're, we're in, in the places that we're comfortable. Um, I, I have been in studio, Anthony, one time in like the last three weeks between vacations and, and all of the things. But, uh, happy to be back with you today, sir. Um, and then, and then we get two days off. I'm looking forward to those two days. I'm joking. I just got I back. Mean, I mean, I am, but, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. a weekend, of course. <laughs> Big weekend ahead for me. Uh, we'll talk about that later in the hour. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum is going to join us at 4.30 today. So excited for that. Our guest list is insane today. Um, some of it is stuff that I recorded yesterday before leaving Indianapolis there on Radio Row, including chats with Tom Pelissero, uh, NFL Network Insider, uh, my guy Q Myers from Vegas. I think the Raiders are like a – a dark horse that's not going to be dark for very long in terms of wanting to trade up. They love Jaden Daniels. We'll talk to Q about that. All right, talk to Q about that. You'll hear that at 6.30. Um, and then Andrew Siciliano and I chatted for a while on Radio Row into microphones for your entertainment. Uh, that interview is coming up at 6 o'clock tonight. Uh, Dave Johnson at 5.30 on a Wizards game day. But we have, Anthony, breaking news to start the show. Big, fancy breaking news the Commanders are going to have somehow even more cap space. Uh, they are going to release, according to multiple reports, uh, not only Charles Leno, who you might have heard of, but it just dropped that uh, Logan Thomas is also on the chopping block. And I think this is pretty interesting at both positions. And, um, you know, Leno is is scheduled to get hip surgery. Um, he's an older player. He, like, upgrading a left tackle is not all due respect to Charles, who, like, I think is serviceable. It's not hard. It's not hard to upgrade over serviceable. It's not like um, – it's not the same as trying to upgrade over, like, great. Um, so, like, the idea that you're trying to upgrade over a guy who's pretty good, like, you can do that. It just is going to cost you money. Well, they have a ton of money, so we'll see um, what this tackle class ultimately looks like as other teams around the league are making cuts. And is there a veteran available? You know, do you – Chase like a Jonah Williams or someone if, if the Bengals let him go. Um, I think I saw his name on one of the lists. Like there's a couple of guys floating around the league, but then you also have, uh, you know, you have the, the tackle class in the draft. And I, I have questions about that that I'll answer in a second. I think one of the other, like Logan is interesting as well because tight end is also like a position of need. Like I, I think sometimes when you cut people for cap reasons, you do it because you have an obvious starter. It's like, oh yeah, well we can cut that guy because we save a ton of money. And we know what we're going to do with that position anyway. Who's the starting tight end if the season started tomorrow? Like, Colt Turner? Armani Rogers coming back off the, off the Achilles? John like, Bates. John Bates? <laughs> like, they obviously need a starting tight end. And I, I, they have immense resources. Um, and there are guys in this draft that are available. But I think what you're – what this – team is telling you is a couple things um starting with this is going to be a very young football team next year um they are going to go with the youth movement which is good because they're you know recalibrate reboot rebuild whatever you want to call it like we know we're at the beginning of something and so having youth that's going to grow into it is good i also do think though and what is the what is the other common thing that ties these two players together besides age and price 
If I tell you, think back last year, 2023 Commanders, Charles Leno, Logan Thomas. They uh, were the two players who what? Missed time. Not, missed, not just missed time. That, that to me goes in the age thing. Uh, think about their relationship with the team. Oh, they came in with Ron? Uh, I mean, they did. But they didn't get along very well with Eric Bietemi. Mm. And I'm not saying that this, like, validates EB all of a sudden. That, like, you know, actually these guys were soft all along. But, I mean, these are two vets that spoke out. And I respect them for it. I think they should. I mean, Logan Thomas and Cliff have a, have a relationship. Like, those guys go back to, to Arizona, um, you know, when Logan was there. And Cliff knows what he's about. Leno's a vet in the league who's, who's very well respected. Um but I also think, it, and I'm not even saying that this valid or this um, unvalidates or invalidates their complaints last year, but I do think there is some small percentage of this that says like we're going in a new direction, like we want different voices at the top, and sometimes you need that. Like in, in some ways, it's, uh, there there are levels to this, so do not extrapolate the entirety of these two things uh, against each other. Take the parts that I'm taking out of them for a comparison's sake here. But like when the Wizards wanted to move on from Brad, right? Part of the reason you have to move on from Beal is if you're starting over and he's still there, there's too much carryover. He, you don't have a new voice in the locker room, and. Even if they, these guys, I mean, look, if these guys were tremendous, like A plus leader voices that nobody had any doubt on and they perfectly melded with um, what the, the, the commanders wanted to do under Peters and under Quinn and they were less expensive or, and or they produced more, they'd still be here. So this is all, it's all multifactorial and the biggest factors, don't get it twisted, are age, production, costs combinations. They're older players who didn't produce very much or produce enough, certainly not enough for their salary position. But what you're going to have next year as a result of that is new voices. And they decided after talking with John Allen that they definitely wanted to keep John Allen, right? So that tells you something. I think John's voice is going to stay loud and will have more room to be heard because guys like Chase aren't there anymore. And I think sometimes Chase's voice may have drowned out John's a little bit. Um, but I think, like, Terry's going to have a very significant leadership burden next year. And Terry's a guy that more often than not has been show him, not tell him. And then when he speaks up, people listen. Like, he's going to have to have a louder voice next year. And at this point in his career, like, and at the salary point he's at, frankly, like, it's part of the reason you pay Terry McLaurin all that money. Um, that That's someone that you want people following. If more people had Terry's approach and attitude and work ethic – then I think they'd be a better football team. But I, I think that this tells you, you know, whether this was a reason they're cut or not, I don't know. I don't know. It has to be more complicated than they, they're expensive and old and didn't produce a lot. But two vets who definitely were, I think, voices of dissent in that locker room last year, which I don't even necessarily mean as a, as a knock. I do think that at times you need your players to speak up for your players. And going back at EB last year and some of the things that – we're going down, um, I think, needed to happen. But at the end of the day, like you're going to have new voices next year. And, oh, by the way, you have $85 million now, at least. Um, the, the numbers on this uh, are, are in flux because we don't know whether these will be post-June uh, post 1 or pre-June 1 cuts. 
I got to check Thomas's number in a second, but because um, that happened like literally right before the show, so I haven't pulled up the actual numbers yet. And if you have them, um, by all means, go ahead. But for for Leno, seven point two million if he's released immediately. Uh, if it's designated as a post June one cut, then it saves over eleven million. Um, the difference between the two is that if it's a post June one cut, you split the dead money. So there's about eight million dollars in dead cap money remaining on Leno's contract. If you take that all this year, that's how you get the seven million. You split that in half, and four million this year, four million next year, because you designated it as a post June first cut. Then it is the eleven million number with another four million dead cap on your books next year. And you have the numbers for uh, for LT. Yeah, so by releasing Logan Thomas, Washington uh, creates $6.5 million in cap and uh, only has to pay a 1.7 in dead cap. So yeah, so he'll be a straight-up cut. No, yeah. you're not You're not splitting 1.7. You just no. take it all this year, yeah. um, move on with your, your life. And that's the thing. Like, it's At those numbers, it makes total sense to make these moves. Mm-hmm. But because they had – the only reason it's like the teeniest little bit of surprise – uh, is because why did I just turn into Jerry Seinfeld? I don't know what's happening. Uh, is because they have so much cap space. Like they don't need more cap space. So there is an element of this that they just don't really want the player either, and so they move on. Uh, that's the the big breaking news here on the Hoffman Show. When we get back, quarterbacks talk this morning at the podium. Jaden Daniels, Drake May, Caleb Williams all talked about the potential. Uh, of playing in Washington, as did J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix. Uh, they all talked about their their uh, visits with the commanders. We learned a thing or two. I uh, got some more details on how those meetings went as well. We'll give that all to you next on the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We're, we need to hydrate better, Anthony. Is that a Stanley? Ugh. It's not a Stanley. It's a. It's an iron flask. Every Stanleys time I see, have the handles. Yeah, every time I see one of those kinds of cups, I think it's a Stanley. Yeah, you think I would have, you know, hydrated in the commercial break when I didn't have to talk on the radio for my living? Yeah. Ah, but here we are. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum, uh, former Jets general manager, Dolphins executive, um, super duper ridiculously smart guy. Uh, is going to join us coming up at the top, uh, or sorry, not at the top of the hour. Tom Pelissero at the top of the hour from NFL Network. Uh, but Tannenbaum joins us at the bottom of the hour, 4.30, here on the Hoffman Show. Uh, right now, though, sound from Indianapolis. As I as I look at Anthony's screen behind him, you got dudes, dudes running out there. Underwear Olympics is underway. The interview portion, though, uh, has been going all week. So these guys have been in and around. Uh, talking to different teams. There's 15-minute interviews. And I actually learned something um, this week. I, I learned this from Nikki, actually, first, and then confirmed uh, some stuff. Uh, specific, like, I learned the general concept from Nikki. Uh, I didn't realize that coaches who were back at their facilities or wherever could zoom in to the combine meetings. Um, that is something that, that came out of the pandemic. So while the commander's coaching staff wasn't there, they were uh, actually involved in a lot of these meetings. Um, so I had thought they were going to leave that to Peters and the scouting staff, and then the coaches would kind of get their shot at guys as they came through on their 30 visits and, and on pro days. But no, uh, commanders, coaches were involved in these meetings via Zoom. Uh, confirmed that with, with the team. Um, so very 
cool um, kind of way to do that. I think that's actually the kind of the best for the coaches is they don't have to go and watch everything. They don't have to watch all these drills for these position groups that they're not involved in. You don't have a bunch of people flying in and out. Like coaches can work on the stuff they got to deal with back in Ashburn. And then when it's time for a meeting, you pop on the zoom and everything's recorded and uh, you get guys on the board and, and the whole thing. So um, very, very, uh, I think smart process by Washington not to send people in person uh, or all the coaches in person, but you have the scouts there and, and obviously Peters in the room as a chance to like kind of get that interpersonal interaction. I will also say this real quick before we hear from the quarterbacks at the podiums this morning. Um, I know this was a big story yesterday and actually, Ant, I'm curious, what did doc have to say about Harris being in the, uh, in the meetings? I feel like doc, especially the way that Schefter originally presented the story probably wasn't super thrilled about it, but I think I think we've gotten a little bit more clarity since, but what did Doc have to say about it? Yeah, so if you read Adam Schefter's original reporting, it says, you know, that Josh, Josh Harris partook in the uh, the meetings and things of that nature, and upon, like, first glance at that, Doc didn't necessarily like it and thought, you know, maybe Josh Harris should have chosen to go to the next one, not the very first one, because, again, he didn't want it to be like the Eric Bieniemy, uh treatment uh, sort of kind of where, you know, where he was in um, Kansas City, whether or not he was calling the plays or if he was, you know, just on the sideline kind of thing. And he wanted uh, just Adam Peters to have full control, full autonomy, uh, full control of the room as opposed to, you know, having some pressure there. So that was upon first glance. But after, you know, additional reporting from like Sam 48 and things of that nature, uh, he didn't necessarily mind it, um, especially if he was just, you know, essentially a fly on the wall like in the room. Yeah, totally. And honestly, I don't even mind if he partook, um, especially in the quarterback ones. Um, and I think this, this is the most important point on Harris being involved. We are all judging things still because it was 25 years. And like for me, my entire career in Washington on the Dan Snyder scale and the problem with Dan and many other owners in sports is they don't know what they're doing or are generally not even that that smart. Like, I don't think Dan Snyder is a smart person. Like, I know that's that's just, like, blunt and almost mean, but, like, that dude doesn't deserve to have people be nice to him. I don't think Dan Snyder is a very smart person. So I don't want him involved. I think Josh Harris is a really smart person. So why wouldn't you want a smart person involved? And so sometimes the the merits of something aren't just about is it right or wrong in general on its face? It's like, well, who's doing it? Like, who's, hey, someone who hasn't run a 100 meter is running the anchor leg for the U.S. in the 4 by 100 at the Olympics. What an idiot. Oh, it's the 200 meter world record holder? Oh, okay, that's fine. Like, just because you don't run the 100 doesn't mean you can't be part of the 4 by one relay, right? And for Josh Harris, like, do I want Josh Harris asking the quarterback to be Hey, what did you see against this coverage? No. Um, and if he wants to ask it, I don't care. I don't want Josh Harris's evaluation. He doesn't have to prove that he knows about reading coverages. But like Josh Harris's thoughts on leadership, I'm interested in potential question and answer in his thoughts. Like I would run some of these interviews by Josh Harris and his BS detector. That's probably pretty high. Like I, I think you have to use your assets. And Josh Harris, unlike the previous owner, is an asset. So that's something that I think we should all remember when we when we talk about ownership stuff these days. That said. I do agree kind of on, on some level with Doc's original premise of like, 
let Peters control the room? Like how, how does everyone else's behavior in the room change because the owner's there? And I think in an ideal world, it doesn't because Josh isn't intimidating and he's hired people who are smart and not scared and they do their job and you know, you do the right things in front of the boss. Why would you do the, not the wrong things if he's not there? So like, but reality, you get a little tenser, you get a little tighter. That stress can cause you to not perform as well. So like, I think there, there are kind of things on both sides. Um, but generally speaking, I think that story got way overblown and people, um, actually I don't even know how much of a freak out there was, but like the people who were like, Oh my God, like there's nothing to worry out about there. Um, plus everyone seemed to have fun in their interviews with the commanders. Um, we'll start with JJ McCarthy, the Michigan quarterback, um, who it was actually his first interview of, of the combine, uh, was with Washington. So he was, he was pretty nervous when he got in there. What stood out about your meeting with Washington? Just the overall energy, you know, I, it was my first one, so I was like super nervous, I'm not going to lie, and uh, sweating a little bit, and you know, Coach Quinn was just awesome, I got to talk to uh, Mr. Peters right before the meeting, and you know, just a great vibe, very welcoming, and you know, going through the clips and everything, and Coach Cliff Kingsbury was just like, hey, if you get a matchup out here and you really like it, could you just, you know, switch it to go on the outside? You know, something like, I wish. Just little stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it was just great to meet them, great to, you know, talk ball with them. And I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, I do feel like we got the first hit of a Cliff Kingsbury offense there, Anthony. A bomb? A go, a go ball? Yeah, hey, you got that one-on-one on the outside. Uh -huh. can, you, can you check that? Because we can. Hey, Terry, go deep. <laughs> I think that's going to be a part of the that, – that's more – J.J. McCarthy just accidentally said more about the commander's offense than Cliff Kingsbury did at his opening press conference, mm -hmm. um, which is – I think you probably could have gotten out of the tape of watching watching old uh, – I mean, Cliff loves a three-by-one, and if it's if he gets if he gets man, that one that three-by-one checks to a, a go, and on that one side, if it's zone, you just work the trip side. Hey, now, let's make this easy for the quarterback. Um, anyway, the point is, uh, JJ McCarthy had, had a good time. Um, and you see with, with the way he talks, um, why, why his stock is rising, like why people get along with him. Um, and I think another thing that I like about McCarthy is like, he's taken NFL level coaching from Harbaugh, um, and, and, and thrived with it. So I'm sure he's going to continue to rise up the boards. And obviously you heard all throughout the week, there's some people that think McCarthy is closer to Daniels, uh, and then, uh, Daniels is to May. Obviously, there's others that vehemently disagree with that, but interesting to watch. Uh, other quarterbacks who talked to Washington included LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels. He was asked uh, earlier today uh, at the podium by the Assembled Press, by the way, all of these clips, uh, thanks to the video uh, taken by Nikki Javala, which is on her Twitter page if you want all of Nikki's coverage. She was great when she joined us earlier in the week. But Nikki's still out there in Indy as the quarterbacks talk, and here was Jaden Daniels when asked about his meeting with the commanders. It was just how cool uh, the whole staff was. Obviously, uh, Dan Quinn, uh, Cliff King, Barry, all those type of guys. I just be able to sit in there and really just get to know people. Uh, you know, you, you see them on TV, see everybody coaching uh, behind the scenes. So be able to go on there and just have a, a conversation with them. That's the coolest part for me. I think that's the kind of the vibe overall is you get you get the staff mentioned a lot that and again DQ um, I think at this point yeah DQ at this point is back home I'm trying to remember when these meetings were and if Dan was still there through them because the timelines are super super wonky in terms of 
what day guys go to medicals and what day the interviews are and then what day they work out. I can't, I can't keep it straight. Um, but they're DQ obviously involved and in these quarterback interviews, Cliff, um, you hear Tavita Pritchard's name and some of the other answers. Uh, you'll hear from Drake May in a second. He mentions Tavita. So like you have the, the guys you expect in the room and, and some interaction depending on who knows who, who knows what. Um, like I'm guessing David Blau probably is not saying a lot. I know Brian Johnson seems to perhaps be a little bit more in the background, but I'm sure in other interviews, maybe he's a little bit more front and center if he's got a relationship with the guy. Um, but the general excitement, I mean, these prospects aren't going to get up at the podium and be like, yeah, that guy sucked, but they might be like a little bit more nondescript. Like, Oh, it was a good meeting. You know, we got a lot of them and, uh, you know, I'm, I'd be happy to get drafted there, whatever. You know, but instead, there's like a real enthusiasm, I think, from a lot of these guys, including uh, UNC quarterback and, and I would say current betting favorite uh, to, to be the number two overall pick for Washington, Drake May. Coach Quinn, um, it was great. You know, he's kind of kind of clicked right off the bat. Um, he's a great, you know, great guy and um, you know, great coach. The stuff he's done defensively with the Cowboys over the past year has been pretty special. Um, so meeting in there, and um, you know, Coach um, you know, Coach Pritchard, Coach uh, recruited me in high school from Stanford, so got to know him a little bit. And uh, you know, Coach Kingsbury knows you know my office winner from college, so we got a lot of connections. A lot of connections. See, we do it. Drake Drake make it host this show. Now, see, they, they hired this guy and this guy, and it's connected. They're, they're going to definitely draft. and But I don't know because I know Caleb down down there at Podium 17. Um, you know, he, he played with Cliff last year. and um, Yeah. But it is, it is kind of a reminder that this football world is small. And, like, a lot of people know a lot of people. And so what that is good for, for the commanders is, like, surface level, you have some personal relationships. Uh, secondary level – you have, uh, you know, other people to reach out to to be like, all right, what was it like day to day to work with this guy? And, and if you have good relationships with those coaches, you get honest answers. They're not just going to butter up their guys. Um, they're they're going to be honest with you. And um, I also think that's another reason why Drake May is is well liked because um, he's a guy that that worked really hard and and did all the things he's supposed to do. Not that Jaden didn't. Not that Caleb didn't. Um, it just it, a lot of I, I think the the thing that I come away with from the week and is. You know, it really is going to come back to the tape for a lot of these guys. And um, the All-22 is a lot kinder to, to Drake and Caleb than it is to Jaden, um, which is why I think the big, the biggest factor that, that the media narrative is shifting towards May. Um, because I think a lot of the other stuff, they all check the boxes. Obviously, McCarthy and Daniels don't necessarily check the height-weight boxes, uh, specifically the weight box, which is important. Um which is something we can get into a little later in the show. I actually got a really good question and a really good answer. Uh, someone emailed me and was like, why does this matter so much? Like, why is this size? And I, so I asked uh, Nate Tice about it uh, in, a, in a podcast that people hear Monday on Take Command, and he gave an incredible answer. Um, so we can talk about that a little later in the show. But lo and behold, like, the, the biggest thing is, like, a lot of these guys from the character standpoint check a lot of these boxes. So it's going to come down to, like, what the tape says. And uh, tape seems to say Caleb Williams is pretty damn good. Uh, Drake May is really damn good. Jaden Daniels is pretty good. J.J. McCarthy, he, he's not bad. Uh, so we'll see how this process continues to evolve over the next couple of weeks. Some, someone who's been through it multiple times as an executive, Mike Tannenbaum, former NFL executive of the year, now an analyst with ESPN, joins us next live from Indy on the Hoffman Show. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming on YouTube at the Team 980 back in D.C. Uh, after a couple of days in Indianapolis, but happy to go to the phones and bring in someone who is still there and a veteran of many NFL combines. It is Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. Mike, welcome back to the show. Good to be with you. 
So I wanted to get your uh, your uh, expertise and, and opinion on a topic that emerged for me when I was out in Indianapolis this week, and that is how the commanders ultimately build their quarterback room. Obviously, there's the pick that we presume they make at number two or whatever they do with that. And then there's, there's Sam Howell, who's already there. When you think of the quarterback rooms that you built, and you obviously drafted Mark Sanchez and had to build a, a room around a high draft pick, young quarterback in New York, amongst the other stops that you had in your NFL career, what goes into a good quarterback room, and what do you think Adam Peters is considering for that room? Yeah, you know, obviously you want to have uh, records of death. I think we saw 66 different quarterbacks start a game last year. So, you know, I thought Sam Howell did some nice things. Look, he's a young quarterback, like, you know, a lot of them, like there were some, you know, inconsistent moments, but um, you, you want to have depth at that position now. And um, I'm sure they certainly will, you know, by the time we get to the regular season. So with that said, though, would you be considering trading Sam, not because he's not a good player, as you just said, like he did some good things. I think if he's your backup, you feel good about that. But of having a more veteran presence with J- Drake May, Jaden Daniels, whoever it is, they ultimately drafted that position. Yeah, you know, um, certainly you, you never would rule out anything, but um, when you have a quarterback, you know, like Sam, that's like shown some real meaningful upside and, and they're under contract for three years, like um, that's certainly a valuable player to have. So while you would never rule it out, like I don't think you have too many uh, young quarterbacks. Uh, and then if you were another team, would you be considering calling Washington and trying to make kind of this pitch of like, hey, we might need some, some depth. You might be going to side a veteran. Like what what would you be willing to trade if you're another team for Sam Howell? What do you think that market looks like? Yeah, not not. I don't think it's a ton. Unless, you know, there's a team that says, hey, we're going to give you a you know, second round pick and we think we can go win a championship, you know, with Sam. I, I don't know if they're going to get the value in, in, you know, in return. And that's why I'd be surprised. Um, if he wasn't with them, you know, by opening day. All right, Mike Tannenbaum is with us, ESPN NFL front office insider. Um, another story that emerged uh, later in the week uh, from your colleague Adam Schefter is that uh, Commander's owner Josh Harris is sitting in on some of the meetings. Now, uh, I, I tend to think this isn't that big of a deal. I don't think he's going to be meddling or trying to make picks in the way that perhaps the last owner did here. But what's your experience been with different owners and kind of their participation in the draft process? Yeah, I, I always like it. You know, I think it says a lot about you know Josh Harris's commitment. Like you said, you know, it's just a one one or two days in, in what's a literally an eleven month year pro, uh, process. Like obviously around the combine and the draft, there's a lot more uh, eyes put on it. But um, I think it's great that he's out here making the effort, and uh, it's obviously an important decision. But um, you know, knowing him by his reputation, I'm sure he'll let you know the appropriate people make the decision at the appropriate time. What? Like, how did you use, for lack of a better word, your owners on football stuff? Because, like, a guy like Josh Harris has great professional experience. He's been around leaders of all kinds. Like, do you want their opinion on anything other than signing off and saying, like, yes, Mike, you're doing a great job if you're the general manager um, in that vote of confidence? Like, how do, how do you use an owner as a, as a front office executive? Yeah, it's a great check and balance, you know, just in terms of, uh, you know, like, sometimes, like, they'll ask questions that you didn't think of, and then you try to, you know, ask more questions. and like it's just a great part of the process because they could see things that maybe like you didn't see. And um, I, I always liked it when, you know, Steve Ross, Wade Johnson, whoever was, you know, around and it's just a, another set of eyes and somebody that has a lot of experience and success. And um, to me, again, like I, I like to have them, you know, I try to pull those guys in closer um, as you go through the process. 
All right, back to the the players themselves. How how do you rank these top? I, I came out of the week thinking that we almost have to say top four quarterbacks now. It feels like for a lot of people, uh, McCarthy is, is kind of bunching up on the back end, and maybe that's because Daniels is falling off. But there's other people that have Daniels really high, McCarthy off. Where, how do you kind of rank this top group of quarterbacks tier wise? Yeah, I think we're this is 2004 all over again. I think those top quarterbacks have a chance to all be good going back to. Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger. I think all three from uh, Jaden Daniels, and Caleb Williams, Drake May, I think they all have a chance to be really good. Um, they all have their strengths. I think you look at May, his size, to me, reminds me a little bit of you know Justin Herbert. Jaden Daniels has gone up 20% in his completion percentage in two years, and uh, I think he's going to be a great pro. And obviously Caleb Williams, um, you know, the presumptive number one pick is also a guy that has a great ceiling as well. So um, I think all three actually have a chance to have outstanding careers. How do you try to evaluate a guy like Daniels? And Bo Nix falls into this camp on, a, on kind of a lower grade as well. But guys who did not start particularly well in college stay in, and they're both their cases, a long time. Nix started 61 college games. And then and then ultimately like finish really strong. And so how do you try to make sense of the progression over the years uh, for especially an older college player? Yeah, you know, the tape says the floor, character says the ceiling, and I think, you know, it's a situation where I really thought, um, you know, I look at Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels, like, Jaden Daniels gone up 20% in his completion percentage. That shows great character. So, to me, I, I, I like, it, it's it's very encouraging. Um, it says a lot about, like, again, like, their attention to detail and how much they're working out their craft. So, uh, improvement is, uh, is is definitely a good sign. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider with us just for another minute or two here on the Hoffman Show. So if you're Washington, you're sitting at two. Chicago takes Caleb Williams at one. What would you do at two? Obviously, at this point in the process in early March, there's still plenty of evaluating to do. But as of now, what would be your lean? Yeah, it's early here. So, again, uh, you know, for me, I I, I like both Bain Daniels. Like I have said, you know, just based on, um, you know, Drake Mays, like, build yeah i'll probably give him a slight lean but you know, i certainly could be talking to uh Jaden daniels as well i think both again are gonna be outstanding pros so uh a lot more evaluation to do a long way to go here can you give our listeners a little bit of insight into what that means at this point because i i'm sure there are some people listening going like what do you mean there's more evaluation the games ended a month and a half ago two months ago for some of these guys like what more is there to evaluate so so can you give uh, our listeners some insight into that process of what happens between now the combine and the nfl draft where that evaluation is ongoing yeah you know the time you spend with them individual workouts like candidly uh, over the years we eliminated players after our individual workouts because of like their lack of preparation you know it was a job interview and if they weren't prepared for that and um, we're going to go give them eight figures a year, um, you know, we just figured like they were going to be a great fit for us. So um, a lot more work's going to be done on these players and those individual meetings and workouts and uh, getting them on the board is going to be really important. And uh, sometimes they're useful to uh, break a pack. Uh, when you get those guys on the board, is that like, is that the head coach? Is that the the coordinator? Like, because I, I think of yep. this Washington offense right now, and Cliff Kingsbury seems to be looking to build it. Um, it's not necessarily going to be what he's run in the past. So I guess Cliff just kind of gets them on the board. And, and what are those meetings like? Yeah, that's exactly right. They may send out a playbook a couple of days ahead of time and say, "Hey, oh, you wow. know, we're gonna, okay. we're gonna go." Yeah. So you know, everything does a little bit differently. But um, knowing Cliff Kingsbury the way I do, uh, he was a player. Uh, for us in New York and, you know, just and Dan Quinn and Adam Peters, like they will be very thorough in their process and 
however, it you know, works out for them, I'm sure they'll get the player that they're very comfortable with. All right, so let me ask you this is the last question then, since you do know Cliff. Um, he said in his, his opening press conference that he's not going, like he wouldn't call what he's going to run uh, here air raid anymore. Like, what does that mean to you as a guy who knows him and, and knows obviously that the air raid is, is kind of how he grew up in football? Like, what do you think this, this 2024 commander's offense is going to look like? Yeah, I just think he's a, a life learner and somebody that he always is trying to get better. You know, spend a year at USC and I think he'll probably adopt some of their concepts as well. So um, I think he'll have some, you know, four wides in him that, you know, maybe part of his core, but I think it evolves over time. Um, I think they'll have a meaningful run game and, um, you know, it'll continue to evolve. And, you know, that's kind of who Cliff is, you know, always trying to get better, very competitive guy. And uh, I, I'm sure they'll build a, a really successful and productive offense there. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN, NFL front office insider. Know you're very busy out there. Appreciate a little time on the phone here today, Mike. Thank you. Okay, thank you. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app, streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. Again, the breaking news within the last hour and a half or so, commanders have cut or are planning to cut Charles Leno and Logan Thomas before the start of the league year. That will save them uh, about $13 million total in cap space, six and change. Uh, I guess it's closer to 14, six and change on Thomas. Uh, 7.2-ish on Leno, uh, presuming that they do those both as regular pre-June 1st cuts. Um, Leno, you could go uh, post-June 1st and get yourself even more cap savings this year, but like that involves taking on dead money next year. I don't, I don't know why you do that when you have more cap space than anyone else in the NFL. Uh, this could put them as high as like $85 million in cap space minus the $9 million in rookie salaries they're currently slotted. Um, and that's something I've been thinking about a little bit too, Anthony, like, especially with this Leno move, I think the temptation to trade back into the first round is really high now for a tackle. Like, why would you not, and which means you have to pay for two first round picks, but okay, fine. Um, like, why would you not package 40 or 36 and a fifth? Um, or like next year second. That's probably what it would take. I don't know what the, I have to look at the the. Let me see if I can find a Jimmy Johnson draft chart simulator real quick. Jimmy Johnson draft chart simulator calculator. Sure, that's fine. If I'm the Washington Commanders and I want to do, let's see. Um oh man, this is a this is a whole thing. If I want to do the thirty-sixth pick, how do I do this? Anthony, I'm not smart enough for the simulator. You do Do you need help? I clearly Because I'm on here as well and I'm struggling this just like you. Oh, it's not that bad. It's actually not that bad. You could do a second and a third this year. So if you did, because it's got like the, the value of each pick. So let's say you wanted to get to 20, 24 or 23. You have Houston. That's 760 points on the chart. Uh, it's 540 for the 36 pick. So then you need to add, what, 220 points? I'm having to do this math mentally, but like that's not, that's not terrible. Um, and then you take Washington's 
Uh, da, 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 da. Where is Washington? 96. So you do like... If you did if you did forty and uh, and sixty seven for twenty three, that roughly works. Fine. Don't sound too bad to me. If you get a first round left tackle, yeah. and you think is like a stud for the next ten years. Yep. I don't know that you're getting that at twenty three, but you could get a really good starter. Yeah. And guess what they need? Two really good starters. So um, I definitely think that's a possibility uh, for them. Um, so that's the, that's the football uh, and kind of the latest news there. Obviously, keep you updated. Coming up at the top of the hour, Tom Pelissero from NFL Network will join us. Uh, NFL Combine coverage ongoing on NFL Network. Uh, but, Anthony, hydration I'm doing. Very important. Carb loading has begun. Uh-oh. We've been talking about this high rocks race that I'm doing. Yes, sir. Uh, in early March for, for weeks, for months. It's here this weekend. It's here. Are you, are you nervous? Are you anxious? Um, not really. Okay. I'm going to be honest, Ant. I feel pretty prepared. Like, the hay is in the barn. We did the work. We trained smart. Did a lot of running. Did a lot of, a lot of lifting. Did a lot of, went to the pain cave a lot. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of how the, the nature of this event so for those that haven't heard us talk about this, um, High Rocks, it's at the D.C. Convention Center this weekend. Uh, you can go watch if you, if you like. Uh, it is 1,000 meter, uh, a 1,000 meter run uh, followed by a station. And then you repeat that eight times. And the station changes, the 1,000 meter run doesn't. So it's a total of 8K of running, which is about five miles um, in total. And then it's a 1,000 meter skier, a sled push, a sled pull, uh, 80 meters of burpee broad jumps, 1,000-meter uh, row, farmer's carry for 200 meters. Uh, the Oh, and then uh, we got how many lunges? 100 meters of walking lunges and then 100 wall balls. And you do a 1,000-meter run in between all of those. I think I got two of those stations backwards, but it's fine. They'll be numbered. I know where, I'll know where to go. Uh, wifey and I are doing doubles, so we're splitting all of the stations. Uh, the running we have to do together, so each of us are running uh, it's, it's going to be a lot. My body is going to hurt on Sunday. It's probably going to hurt on Monday and Tuesday too, but we're ready. We're ready. Craig, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Um, I wish I could be there. What are you doing this weekend? High school basketball. Mm. Good games this weekend? Uh... Still remains to be seen. Uh, we got some playoff games tonight that will affect tomorrow. So, mm. yeah. Who's playing tonight? This is all the Capitol Hoop stuff? Yeah. I'm not I'm not going to any games tonight. But I know – I think Largo's supposed to be in action. Um, who was it? Gwen Park was in action last night. Crazy game. Um, who else? There's just a ton of games. And then you got the Maryland uh, private, private school uh, tournament starting up as well. Um, that one actually starts tomorrow. Um, so, yes, it's going to be a lot of basketball over the next week. And, uh, yeah, it, it gets a little hectic. You know, I'm covering more than one to two games. I got to edit highlights. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of work this weekend. But, you know, I'm looking forward to it because I, I hadn't really covered that many games this year. So Oh, that'll be fun. I'm paying, be fun. I'm paying it in on the back end. 
I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, how much of the combine you think you'll watch this weekend? So I do want to watch the quarterbacks. Uh, I do too. I want to. Wa- I actually want to watch quite a bit of it, uh, but I just don't know timing wise, like how much I'll be able to. Yeah, whatever my my schedule permits. To be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the good thing is if I'm just sitting there dead tomorrow afternoon, I can sit back on the couch and be like, look at these guys who could still be athletic. I was athletic this morning, and now I can't feel my legs. <laughs> uh, and then, and then uh, Sunday, you got more combine action. Yep. Uh, quarterbacks throw Saturday night, right? I think Sunday. so. I think it's one of those two. I think it's Saturday. Sunday morning, we got we got Formula One back. I'm pumped about that. Guess mm-hmm. We're going we're going racing in Bahrain. Uh, so fun weekend ahead for sure. Uh, and then we'll convene back here on Monday. We do know uh, with all this this movement on the salary cap stuff, J.I. Halsell is going to join us on Monday. Um, you know, Phillips probably will join us uh, for at least one more week on a Monday with so much stuff happening. Uh, and then the crazy thing is, uh, and a week from that, like a week from this Monday, the following Monday, I think that's when free agency opens, like the the uh, the tampering period, oh, which yep. is basically when the stuff happens. Yeah. So free agency one. Yeah, like we got one week of "quote unquote" dead time to figure out next week, and then bang, free agency. And isn't the start of next week uh, where the the window to franchise player? I think it ends. Like well, it March all coincides 5th. with the league year. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's that's all. So that's why you're getting players cut now. Yep. Um, you got franchise tags happening now. All that stuff is is coinciding with the start of the league year coming up. Uh, I think it's the thirteenth. Uh, the, but the tampering period starts the 11th, an idea they stole from the NBA, which to me is very stupid. Um, but then again, it is what it is. Uh, I'm sure there's a reason that the very smart people that run these leagues do it, and I'm just a silly sports talk radio host who doesn't know what that reason is. All right, when we get back here on the Hoffman Show. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. Uh, we sat down on Radio Row yesterday morning in Indianapolis. You'll hear that conversation next. Hour two, it's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And, of course, streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. If you've missed any of our coverage from earlier in the week at the Indianapolis Scouting Combine, make sure you go back listen to all the interviews in the Hoffman Show podcast feed or, of course, check them out on demand on YouTube at the Team 980 or on my page at Craig Hoffman back in DC for the Friday show. But before I left Indianapolis yesterday, I had the chance to talk to NFL Network insider Tom Pelissero. Uh, of course, NFL Network has live coverage of the 2024 NFL Scouting Combine uh, all the way through Sunday. Coverage starts at 3 p.m. Eastern today, 1 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. And Tom will be a part of that coverage. And uh, the the substance of that discussion is today's. Not my beat. Today's top story from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not my beat. Tom, eyes on Washington uh, in this draft. Uh, any any uh, rumors? Any any anything? Like as you guys talk about this draft and like the insiders on NFL Network, etc. Like how much of it is Chicago? How much of it is Washington? Like who who do, who does the league see as like the team in control of this draft? Well, it's Chicago because they they own the number one pick. Because Ryan Poles has shown that he's willing to be aggressive and make moves. You know, he traded out a number one last year. They, I believe that the Bears have a pretty good idea internally what direction they want to go. And there are a lot of reasons to believe that that would be drafting Caleb Williams and ultimately trading Justin Fields. You think about it from who they hired as the offensive coordinator 
in Shane Waldron. It's probably a pretty similar offensive philosophy to what you had with Luke Getze. With Caleb Williams, this is probably the style of offense that he would be best suited in, whereas Justin Fields may not be as well suited uh, to that style of offense. You look at just the resource management. If you keep Justin Fields as your starter in year four, now you're basically in a position where you need to pay him. Plus, at this point, you've already spent two months dancing with other girls here, and you're now going right. to go back to him would be a little bit rough. But also, you reset your cap. You reset your resource allocation when you draft a guy on a rookie contract who you're going to have at a low number for several years. Having said that, the Bears have never met Caleb Williams, not you know the top guys. The area scouts may have come across him at various points and whatnot, but like for Kevin Poles Warren and, and yeah. Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and Shane Waldron, the 15-minute interview that I believe they had last night was like the first time that they really got a chance to get to know a guy who is doing this entire pre-draft process differently. He's, he's the first, what I would call the NIL babies, the guys who are multimillionaires in college, They've basically been professional athletes already for several years. They're used to doing deals. They have brands. They have business sense. And I think generationally, there's something about young people, you know. How old are you? I'm 34. Okay, I'm 42, I think. Yeah, yeah 42. I'm, I'm definitely 34, I think. My birthday was like last week, and I was like, wait, what number was that? Right, so you're closer yeah. to me than you are to them. Yes. I know, like, I've got nine- and seven-year-old kids, and the way that their brains work is just different about everything. And I think that naturally, again, generationally, it's part of it, but also when you've been a professional athlete before, you're asked why a lot. You know, Caleb Williams' dad, Carl, has been a long-time, like, disruptor as an entrepreneur and a business person. He was guiding Caleb through a lot of his, you know, young days and, and coming up through the quarterback camps and whatnot. And so Caleb is just, you know, I think that the way that they're looking at it, and Caleb hasn't talked you know, here, that'll be tomorrow at the podium. I'm hoping to get a chance to catch up with it as well. But it seems like the philosophy toward, for instance, not doing the medical, which no longing-time NFL scout remembers anybody right. skipping not, out, not, not including the one, COVID year. Not working out is one thing. Medical. Right. Quarterbacks yeah. every year, it's, it's hit and miss with the first-round guys. They might throw, they might not. But everybody does the medical. From Kayla's perspective, it's, well, it's either the Bears or one of a couple of teams that would trade up with the Bears. Why am I going to give my private medical data to all 32 teams? Some of the old school scouts and executives I talked to, when I told them, because I found this out like a week or so ago, I told them Caleb's not doing the medical, I got responses like, well, what's he hiding? And I don't think he's hiding anything, but it makes them question it. Right. It's a long-time scouting phrase, which is it's easier to explain a bad score than an empty box. In other words, if you're a wide receiver and you run 4-6 and you were supposed to run 4-5, you can say, well... You know, his hamstrings were tight. It was a slow track. He wasn't training for it. He was sick. An empty box is, why is it an empty box? Is he slow? We don't know. You're leaving more of the unknowns. He also doesn't have an agent. So he, he doesn't really have football background people around him. Um, you know, he's got Judy Smith, who he's worked with for a long time, who's like a D.C. crisis communications person instead of a traditional publicist it's just there's a lot of different things and so you want to spend time around him the commanders also interviewed him the patriots interviewed him you know then you go down the list of some of those teams maybe it could be the trade-up teams the giants the vikings the raiders the jets interviewed him as well probably just to gather information for you know down the line if somehow uh he became available all of which is a, a long way of answering the question which i don't even remember at this point but basically you know the bears are in control of the yeah. draft here but it makes sense for them to gather all the data points that they can. 
explore everything, have conversations with other teams. Is there an offer out there that could completely knock their socks off and they would be willing to consider it for the number one pick? I think, again, another reason that it's hard to believe they move off it is you have a GM and a head coach in year three. Usually the three, the year three guys are either going to get extended or get fired. And that's, I don't mean to be crass about it, but like that's just sure. the reality of the NFL. You enter year three, a lot of times it's a make-or-break type year. If you don't draft the quarterback, if you go back in with Justin Fields again, you're not buying yourself additional time like you would with a rookie quarterback. Can the commanders come up with the type of an offer that could allow them to get to number one? I would anticipate they at least try, that they at least have the conversation. So you, you would, I mean, it's one thing to have the conversation internally. It's another thing to call Chicago and be like, hey, but with the, the way that Peters. You? Why not? I think that if you're Peters and you have a long-term vision of building through the draft, then like obviously more draft capital is, is what you want. Then again, if you think Caleb is that guy, there's right. there's no price you wouldn't pay. Right, or just explore it. It's not you sure. know, it's not like your fantasy league where like you, you set it and you pick a couple guys, you say, here, here's the offer. It's more so like, hey, all right. Like, what would it take? Like, yeah. what, what are we talking about? Until you about call here? it into the league, you can always pull it back. Exactly. Like, you're Fair just, you're, you yeah. know, it's not even like a negotiation. It's a, right. Initially, it's a conversation. Right. Negotiation's a different thing where you're actually exchanging proposals. I would anticipate a lot of teams at least are pulling Ryan aside, being like, all right, what are the odds? Can, we, right. can, we, can you move? Right. Would What's you move? The price? What would it be? What would right. it take? And Ryan probably doesn't give him a direct answer. You right. know, eventually you want to make your offer. Um, I, again, I think it's hard to believe that they move off that pick, but. There's a lot of things that are hard to believe that happen in the NFL every year, so never say never. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, Tom Pelissero, NFL Network Insider, with us here on the Hoffman Show. Um, I'm going to try to ask you this question in a way that you can answer it easily, um, but the commanders for years have been a very leaky organization. Um, you are you're like, yeah, you could say that. Um, various various regimes worth of leaky leakiness. Uh, with this new regime now and obviously it is not very old like how is the kind of as an insider the information gathering about this team you think of the coach hiring process the gm hiring process how is it different than maybe covering them as a national insider in years past I mean, I don't think that, you know, the information flow thing, I know it's like a common question and it is interesting. Yeah. I think our, our fans care about it a lot. So With everybody, I think um, every team does things differently and you just figure out how every organization is going to operate. And then you, you base it off that. There's some right. organizations that are going to be helpful. There's some that are absolutely not going to be helpful. And you find different ways to, to get at things. I mean, there's certainly – careful about how I choose these words. There's certainly some coordination in terms of certain information goes to certain people, mm-hmm. and you can see that. And Josh Harris's name is very front and center a lot. Bob Meyer's name is very front and center a lot. You probably hear more about Josh Harris and what he's doing than what Adam Peters is doing right now, which I find interesting. I think that part of that is combating the Dan Snyder hangover and everybody just wanting to see at all turns that you've got a guy who's not on his yacht during the pre-draft process, that he's actually here in Indianapolis going through it. There's also the fine line between is Josh Harris going to be in every meeting forever? Is he going to be like some of the owners that want to have a a meeting the day after the game and talk at length when the coaches just want to move on and game plan? And I don't know the answer to that question. But right now, these are obviously massive organizational decisions. When you're drafting a quarterback potentially at number two or trying to get up to number one, Josh Harris is going to have to sign off on that as well. So it does make sense for him to be part of the information gathering process. But him being in quarterback interviews and stuff, I think it's fair to say that that's a um, that is an exception to the rule. 
Interesting. All right, last thing for you real quick, because I know you got a million of these and you got to run. Uh, but you mentioned uh, in, in our first discussion about Caleb, the agent side of this and, and kind of the who works out, who doesn't, who does medicals, who doesn't, and that empty box theory. Um, one of the things that I've talked about with some folks this week in terms of the agent side of it is that they don't want their guys doing anything that could hurt them. Are you seeing a, a conflict there between teams that don't want that empty box and agents that go like, hey, my guy's hamstring's tight. I'm just not going to run him because that's going to hurt his stock. Well, I mean, again, if you don't run, if you never run, the assumption that a lot of people are going to make, they're going to compare it to the tape, obviously, but they're going to go, I bet he's not as fast. He's not, not going to time well. He might be a faster play speed, but that number's going to drag him down. It's exactly that. That's why you know 98% of these guys do everything. Right. They really do. Like unless you have an injury, like a legit injury, most of the guys go out there and, and participate in everything. For you know quarterbacks in particular, more and more of the quarterbacks, for instance, are not running the forty now because right. they don't want to end up looking like Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> tweeted last night about like, hey, please NFL Network stop using the Patrick Mahomes forty yard dash overlay. You know when they do like the comparisons yeah. of like this year's quarterback. I'm tired of racing Rich Eisen. Right, exactly. Like don't don't <laughs> keep using me. Right. Like you know Pat wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna blow it away, but he decided to do it. Lamar never ran a forty. Um, I don't know that Stroud ever ran a forty. Plenty of guys yeah. like just don't. Don't do it. And some of that's driven by what the agents decide to do. Some of it's driven by the players themselves. Most guys come and compete. But you've also got, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is not going to do anything here. Three of the top quarterbacks are not throwing here. This is might be a generational thing. It also might just be a reflection of, you know, what do they do in other sports? Top NBA draft picks don't work out. They don't do the medical. If you're guaranteed to be a top three pick, you just don't do any of it. Why? Because nothing you can do is going right. to really help you at this point because you're going to get drafted up there. But, I'd rather have you think right. I might run a 4-6 than I actually ran the 4-6. Right. I mean, think of it as... Uh, I, mean, I personally would love to run a 4-6, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> think of it as like one half of a bell curve, right? Right. There's bell curve, for people who don't know, is like this. Right. So if you take half of it, here's the players that are guaranteed to be top five picks. It's like a right. couple of guys. Right. Then the guaranteed first round is a little bigger. Then everybody else is like clumped in here where they could rise or they could fall. Everybody's going to try to rise. If you think you're going to be a third round pick, you don't not do stuff out here. You come out show that you're willing to compete, and maybe you can help yourself through the process. No doubt. All right, Tom Pelissero, uh, the Insiders, and much more on NFL Network. He's all over all of their coverage all weekend long here in Indianapolis. Tom, thank you so much, sir, sir and hopefully we'll be talking uh, as we get closer to the draft and more wacky stuff happens. <laughs> Absolutely, man. You got it. Again, Tom Pelissero with us here on the Hoffman Show. Great to catch up with him yesterday in Indianapolis. Got a couple more conversations still to go from Indy. Uh, my guy Q Myers, who hosts nationally on ESPN Radio, but locally in Las Vegas, on whether the Raiders might wind up trading up and is Washington one of the places they'd want to trade to and, and who are they targeting. All of that still to come. Top of the next hour, we will have Andrew Siciliano on the show. Uh, I sat down with Andrew uh, earlier in the week at the Combine in Indianapolis on Radio Row had a really great discussion about the state of the commanders, the Reston, Virginia native, uh, joining me as he does every year in Indy. That's coming up at 6 o'clock, but we'll react to what Pelissero said next here on the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Got more NFL salary cap news uh, in a moment. Uh, and we'll talk to Dave Johnson on a Wizards game day coming up 
at the bottom of the hour. But I just saw this come in, and uh, the NCAA football rules committee. So there's like rules committees, obviously, in the NFL, considering a whole bunch of stuff right now with the ban the hip drop tackle. Um, I know Nikki was reporting on something that the, basically the chain gang could become backup as soon as this year, where they're they're going to use like laser technology and and you know stuff that's not from the 1930s to measure a first down, which seems smart. But uh, Heather Dinich at ESPN. Uh, is reporting that college football might at least get to where the NFL has been for years now, um, decades even, that the uh, college, because in college football, they don't have a communication system from headset to, to helmet. Um, that's why you see the giant cards being held up and all the different ways that, that colleges call their plays in, which can be fun. It feels very college Um there's an element of personality it adds to the game that is undeniable, but it's not helping prepare guys for the pros, and it's not the best way to do things. When uh, communication at this point is not that expensive, uh, the technology has been around for decades, and a coach could be like, all right, we're in 11, we got wide right, uh, you know, blah, 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 protection, blah, 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 play, blah, 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 blah. Cool. And then the quarterback does that. And on defense, they could be like, we got zone dog, blah, 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 blah. Okay, cool. Like, they all have headsets. They're all talking to each other. You stick a green dot on someone's helmet, put a communication device in it, and uh, let's party. And apparently that is actually coming to college football uh, as soon as this year. So hooray. Because um, that's something that also, like, rookie quarterbacks, as we think about the commanders, have to get used to, is you get the play call in your helmet. And remembering it all and regurgitating it all and, and the entire offense being reliant on your ability to do that compared to Everybody look at the card on the sideline. Uh, that's that's a little different. I also do think, and uh, this is definitely at least in part in response to what happened with Michigan this year. Yeah, sign stealing. Yeah. Hey, I know how Harbaugh's like. You know how you cannot steal the signs. You guys could have helmet uh, communication. I'm gonna go back to the NFL now. You guys work on that. See ya. But I just I, feel like sign stealing was just. Everybody did it. Yeah, he just did it egregiously. He just did it stupidly. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Very stupidly. Don't buy your guy a ticket. <laughs> what are we doing? You commit crimes. Don't leave a don't leave a paper trail. Yeah, obviously that's how we do what. What? Um, but do you think that'll? I mean, I guess hurry up offense in college will definitely be. I don't know. Like I mean, there's it, there's ways you could do it. There's, every, there's no thing that happens in college that doesn't happen I mean, in the NFL and vice yeah. versa. Yeah, it's just how it's communicated. Dang. Um, you know, getting, getting apologies scary. to the apologies to the Kinkos in uh, every college town who prints out the signs every week. It's a lot of business for them, man. Yeah. What about the economy? <laughs> the telecommunications companies are going to take up all the money. All that money that was spent on printing giant placards with a squirrel on them so they knew what formation to be in. It's done. Sad. It's just print media is just. It's taking it's ta- it's Print media a, takes another hit. Another Let's go hit. audio, baby. Another Score hit. one for the guys with the microphones. All right. Um, so got more salary cap news. And did you see the Patriots, what they did? J.C., good gracious. Yeah, J.C. Jackson uh, going to be released by the Patriots. Not surprised. The financials, uh, it's going to get – they're actually going to push the commanders in terms of total cap space. Um, they got $83.5 uh, million, I believe I saw, was the number. Um, 
or so no no I apologize. Their cap space is going to push up towards a hundred million. Yeah, hundred three. Uh, Jackson had signed a five year, eighty two and a half million dollar contract in March of twenty twenty two with the Chargers. Uh, Jackson was then traded last October back to the Patriots, who originally had acquired him. He played very well in New England, did not play very well in L.A., and did not play well enough uh, that Jackson uh, was going to be retained on that contract number in New England. Uh, releasing him creates about $13.5 million in cap spaces. The Patriots now have about $100 million in cap spaces. They start to rebuild under Gerard Mayo, and then Elliot Wolf is their new head of scouting. That all from ESPN. Other uh, cuts today, Marcus May, uh, safety from the Saints, uh, is out there as well. Uh, so he joins Cam Curl on the market. Uh, obviously, Kendall Fuller uh, is, is a free agent. Um, on the cornerback market, so it, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to pull up PFF's uh, PFF free agent tracker. Um, their list of of NFL free agent rankings. Uh, their guy Brad Spielberger um, out there. Uh, I saw him out there. I'm going to just chat with him. I think. I think we just walked past each other a bunch as we're all. Everyone's always running around with chicken like chickens with their heads cut off uh, in Indy. It's it's nuts. Um, but if you look at the top of this list right now, like Chris Jones. Probably going to get to free agency. I think the Chiefs will will try to um, bring him back. I just don't think that they're going to franchise him for a second straight year. I guess they could. Um, but he's their top guy. Cousins, obviously, we'll see what he does. Kevin O'Connell earlier this week saying, like, he they want him back. He wants to be back. They just got to come to a number. T. Higgins has already been tagged. Uh, Josh Allen, the pass rusher. Um, has he been tagged? I don't think he's been tagged yet, but he probably is going to. No, nah, he hasn't. Um, Brian Burns, same thing. They're, they're – uh, GM Dan Morgan basically said, like, we hope it doesn't come to that, but we will tag him if we have to. Justin Matabuke uh, from Baltimore, he probably actually hits free agency. Christian Wilkins probably gets tagged down in Miami. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, obviously could get tagged as well, which would mean Mike Evans definitely heads to free agency. But then you got Jalen Johnson in, um, in Chicago. Like, does he hit the market at corner? Um, maybe. Probably gets tagged by Chicago. Legereus Sneed. Um, That's my I guy. Was Dude, if I was if I was Kansas City, I would consider tagging him. Do not let that dude out the door. At he's all. too good. <laughs> um, but you know, he signed a big one year deal. Or he let's see, twenty twenty four contract. Um I guess they're 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 saying he could sign a, a big one year deal, um, or a three year slightly smaller deal. Um so we'll see uh, there. You know, your guy Michael Pittman uh, out of Indy, they get easy franchise tag there. Daniel Hunter, uh, you know, probably not going to get tagged in Minnesota. So you got a, a pass rusher, Mike Evans, uh, Tyron Smith. There's a potential tackle that you could bring in uh, to, to shore up a veteran offensive line uh, here. And then Kendall's, you know, the 15th best free agent on their list. Wow. So um, we'll see where they rank J.C. Jackson, um, as obviously they haven't updated it with that. But, you know, the corner class, uh, you know, J.C. Jackson, I, you do wonder, as his, his production just hasn't been as good as those first couple of years under Belichick, like, is that a guy that winds up, that a team takes a flyer on? Do they take, like, a big one-year flyer on him? Do they try to say, like, no, this is going to be our guy? You know, it's going to be an interesting contract for him because, you know, sometimes you just lose it, and that dude already got paid a ton of money once. Um, he's only 28, he's, too, though. Right, he's 28. Like, he's younger than Kendall, yeah. but the fit seems really important. Um, I kind of want Washington to take a swing on him, depending on what the cost is. Hey, I'm right there with you, Craig. <laughs> yeah, that's a guy that I'm I'm interested in. I you know I was listening to um, oh God, what's his name? 
I keep wanting to say Tom Donilon, but Tom Donilon was a former cabinet secretary in the Obama administration. The 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 commander's new uh, DB's coach. It's it's close enough that Donatel, Tom Donatel, yeah, not Tom Donilon. Donilon, cabinet secretary. Donatel, DB's coach. There you go. Only me. <laughs> Only me. Um. I was listening to Donatel on Kimes Pod earlier today, which, by the way, you'll recognize the guest for Monday's show. Hey! Uh-oh. Kime gave me the call. Uh, so taped, taped with cakes earlier today. Uh, that pod will be out on Monday. Um, but uh, Donatel was asked about, you know, kind of the guys in-house and, you know, how he sees different things. And, um, you know, some of the – the the skills that he listed uh, high on his list um, were things that like Benjamin St. Juice wasn't exactly great at. Talk about like ball skills, and you're like, oh, that's kind of in the whole thing. So I, I do wonder what they think of BSJ. I know they're gonna like Forbes is upside is too high to do anything crazy with him, um, but I do wonder if uh, if BSJ winds up being a backup or uh, even just gets waived in training camp. Um, I think that's probably too harsh. He's too good for that. Um, I don't think you can probably flip him for that much because his ball production hasn't been very high. But I don't know. We'll see. Uh, he's he's an interesting one uh, in terms of what they do and you know how much money they spend. I think we'll we'll be we'll know more based off what they spend in free agency at corner. What they think of BSJ. I guess I how I would phrase that. It's Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the Free Odyssey app. We are your home for Wizards basketball here on the Team 980. Heartbreaker last night in L.A. Uh, that That's the bad news. The worst news is they got to play tonight against uh, Sega Bob, second game of a back-to-back, against a better team in the Clippers. Can the Wiz bounce back? And uh, how much do we believe this Jordan Poole resurgence? Dave Johnson joins us to talk about it all next on the Hoffman Show. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, back from Indianapolis and the NFL Scouting Combine. Uh, Wizards basketball back tonight on the team, 982nd straight night. Heartbreaker last night. Overtime loss to the Lakers. Season high, though, for Jordan Poole. Back at it tonight in L.A. against the Clippers. And to talk about it on a game day, it's time to welcome in Dave Johnson. Anthony, let's hit the proper fancy introduction, please. Time to get the radio party started. Blocked by Bilal Kulabali. Oh. oh, boy, did he stuff him. Left wing pool is wow. there. Oh, that's a pool party. Here's the basket slam right there. Intercepted by Kispert. Kispert now foul line. Oh, slam. Ooh, that'll dry your preserves. It's time for Dave Johnson on a Wizards game day. Kuzma for three. Oh, it's there. It's there. Big, big shot. On the Hoffman Show. Dave is with us from L.A. Uh, Dave, how we doing? (laughs) You're not... Life is good when you, you look out and you see palm trees and sunshine, although everyone in California is apologizing uh, because it's going to rain tomorrow. Uh, and, yes, we just deal with rain. Here in California, they, they apologize because I, I guess they're worried about uh, their tourist uh, attraction or, or uh, uh, reputation. But, yeah, we're doing well. And, listen, at last night, as you said, a heartbreaker. It, it just shows why, as I talk to people, and people will say, well, wait, a nine-win season, it must be. It's not terrible because these guys, they really do fight every night. And and last night, God, did they want that. And and in the end, there's some guy named LeBron James on the court that still makes a difference, which is truly amazing. Um, but now tonight, another challenge against the Clippers. 
Yeah, for sure. And, and a team, bluntly, in the Clippers that is better than the Lakers. Um, but the Lakers certainly is figuring some things out here post-All-Star break. Also, uh, that Anthony Davis fella, I heard he was really good. Um, right. And, and he scored 40 last night. Um, but I, I do think – and look – it feels weird to like have any kind of positive fives, and it feels like you are a propaganda apparatus if you are saying anything nice about a team that has lost 13 straight basketball games. Right. However, Dave, uh, the the shot selection for Jordan Poole, and, and most importantly, the fact that he is just taking them. Forget where they are coming from. Forget how they are coming. The fact that he is taking them is something that you and I have talked about at times this year, and I've, I've asked you multiple times throughout the, re- the season kind of as a check-in, like, how concerning is it, not that he's not scoring a lot, not that whatever, that he's just not taking shots? What's it been like to see him these last four games, especially, and last night he did make quite a few of them, a season-high 34 points, at getting back to at least the the aggressiveness level that we, I think, expected coming into this season? And, and to the best of your knowledge, what spurred that? Well, I mean, I, I think the best of knowledge, he's coming off the bench and, and being on the ball more you know, seems to be uh, the elixir, if you will. Uh, and, and that's certainly, I mean, he's, you know, he had 31 on Sunday and uh, uh, 34 last night. And, and so, you know, it, it seems to free him up. I think, you know, a, a big uh, uh, part of it, you know, the challenge uh, for him was also mentally adjusting to, okay, I'm not on the ball as much. I, 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 you know, I don't think he's forgotten to play basketball. And that's why I don't think, you know, they were nobody's giving up on him. And you know, Michael Winger discussions and Will Dawkins, uh, you know, nobody's hiding the fact that he's had a bad year. He knows he's had a bad year. There's, there's no way to mask that. So then how do you put him in the best position to succeed and, and get that Jordan Poole that clearly exists? What he did in Golden State wasn't a fluke, and it wasn't just because, you know, he was surrounded by Steph Curry and, uh, and Clay Thompson, uh, et cetera. Did it help? Yes. I'm not saying that. Um, but he's showing and he showed last night in a big time stage. You know, and when I say big time stage, this Lakers team is one eight of 11 or, or whatever I, the number is. I forget it, but they're hot and they're, they're getting it together, but they're still desperate. Uh, I think they're ninth place. So this was a, a competitive, for lack of a better term, playoff like atmosphere last night. The Lakers, absolutely did not want to lose the Wizards and, and Jordan Poole and, and company still responded. And, and, you know, to your point about, you know, it, it, saying anything good about a nine win team is, is, is that a propaganda machine or, or, or and it's, I've not lost my mind. I do know the difference. So I've been through some really bad seasons. Um, and, and for example, the, without calling out specific teams or whatever, but there were, there were times, as I've done this now, almost 30 years, where we had bad teams and you, you just didn't enjoy it because you didn't know what – you didn't have a great feeling about what the plan was. Actually, the players didn't – at the times, it, it didn't seem like, you know, they were locked in. Um, it, 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 so this – the fact that they have lost 13 in a row, yes. Do, were they upset about – you know, did they want that last night? Yes, they want to win. This is this is how they made the NBA in the first place. They were winners. So this is this is totally far. It takes a, a a real mental toughness to say, all right, we're going to do this again tonight and try to break through and know that the odds are against you. Uh, but but you know they're going to try and they're not going to give up. And it's even like the Golden State Warriors game the other night. And this is why I'm saying this is not me just 
propagandaing or whatever, they get killed by the Warriors in the third quarter the other night. Bad third quarter. It, it, it could have been game over. The, the Warriors had their starters in with two minutes left in the game. That's not what they wanted. The, the Wizards really did come back in that fourth quarter and still kept competing. So that's, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, and that's what you have to appreciate as a Wizards fan now. And this is the ride we're on because it's, it's not like next year is, is going to be, oh, that's going to be a 40-win season. You're going to have to enjoy, I know the Sixers coined it, the process, because uh, they've also made it clear they're not going to take shortcuts. Uh, so it's not like if there's a, a losing start to next season, oh, we're going to you know trade for free agents to try to make the playoffs next year. This is a, a long-term strategy. But in terms of, you know, I've not been hit on the head. Well, I probably have been hit on the head too many times. But I, I told I Glenn to stop doing that. Right. But I enjoy this team because <laughs> of who they are and the type of players. Have Without- there been seasons where I had to bite my lip? Yes, I have because they weren't enjoyable and and that's but that's true of every you know team in sport if you ask players that played with certain people that you know it's like it's like people listening to this in your office there's times that you enjoy the office dynamic and there's times you don't right now yeah we're not we're not profitable if you will with wins but i'm enjoying the office dynamic no i i hear you and um, you see these little things every night. You see Denny Garrett grab 15 boards uh, last night. You see different guys do different things. And, um, you know, ultimately consistency is what wins, but seeing the flashes is better than consistently uh, not seeing them, I guess. Um, Dave, I, I'm going to go totally off script. We're going to go arena talk here for a second. Um, first, just because you're in L.A. on the back to the, the L.A. back to back. Does it feel like you're walking into a different arena playing the Clippers versus the Lakers? And by the way, this is the last time you do it this way. Because it's the last time you'll see the Clippers in the artist formerly known as Staples Center. Yeah, you know what? The, the uh, <laughs> I like the way you put that. Um, uh, it, it, what is amazing? It is the same building, but it's not. And they do a wonderful job of when you walk in, uh, you can feel like you are in a different building. And it's, you know, there, it's a different vibe. It's a different fan base. And I, I'm not saying one's better or, or it's just it is different. And um, and you you appreciate that when there's two teams in in um, uh, you know one city, uh, and I, and I think that's you know that's the case. You could probably say, well, the, the White Sox are more the you know the working class, where Cubs are uh, you know maybe middle class. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I'm just saying you, you sometimes have that uh, differentiation when you have two city teams. But this is you know unlike that situation, this literally is the same arena. Um, but now, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting with this new arena because I keep seeing the designs, and, 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 and if people are not familiar with this, this, I believe it's called the Intuit Dome or something like that. Yep. Uh, but they're, they want to create a wall at one end, and I say a wall of stands to kind of have this soccer-type feel, you know, that kind of supporters, you know, rowdy section. You think Audi right. Field and uh, supporters section. So. Uh, and when you see like European basketball games, if you ever Google like Serbian, you know, oh my God, there's fire in the background. It's great, but also terrifying. <laughs> well, I don't think in LA, just a hunch. I don't think they're going to be allowed to light off flares in the area. So yeah, fire code's that's a little not, different in Los Angeles versus no. uh, whatever cities yeah, are in Belgrade, Serbia. Yeah, Apologies to the Serbians. Little, yeah, right. But so that's I'm intrigued to see that. But uh, 
but I, you know, when I first started calling these games, the, the Clippers were playing at the LA Sports Arena, and, and at the time, uh, you talk about uh, that really felt strange because at the time, this is the '90s, and you know, we're, we had just built uh, at, at the time MCI Center and, and new arenas are growing up, and then you go into this LA Sports Arena and. It was like, oh, this is what the 60s were like. You know, you, you expected right. to be seeing things in black and white all night because it just it felt like uh, such a throwback uh, because, needless to say, the uh, stewardship of Donald Sterling, let's just say, um, was, was a strange one. Yeah, um, uh, and, you so- know, I mean, he moved the team to L.A. without getting into the other stuff he, he got into, but he moved the team to L.A. just so it could be closer to his office. So, I mean, that's kind of a... a, a Strange marketing technique. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So. Um, and so speaking of, of new arenas, though, Dave, uh, I was, as you know, at the Combine this week in Indianapolis, and we went to the Pacers-Pelicans game Wednesday night, um, which turned out to be a great game. Tyrese Halliburton had a great fourth quarter. Um, Zion had a pretty good game. Like it was, it was a fun, like well-played NBA basketball game between two good, young, and up-and-coming teams. But Gamebridge Fieldhouse is sick. That place, that's the yeah. nicest NBA arena I've been in. Like, is that just because I haven't been to enough of the new arenas, but as someone who travels to all of them, like, is that is that the gold standard? Well, I know it's gold standard, but it, well, uh, but it, well, I think of what I've been asked about this. I always say it's one of my favorites, if, if not my favorite. It, it really isn't that new. Uh, it, it's We're talking late night. It 90s. feels new. Really? It, it yeah. feels so, so new. I mean, they did have the $16 million scoreboard they put in, which certainly didn't hurt. Well, there, there are things like that that make it new. But I think just the way it, it's, 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 it's totally designed as a basketball arena. And I think yes. uh, there was no hockey in there. There has not been hockey in there. They never it – was, it was all about basketball. Um, and, and so – and then they tried to create, as you, you've seen it, them one end, they, they, that field – well, they called it field house. That field house, that Indiana uh, basketball type field, right. Hoosiers, I, you know, whatever I'm looking for here. So, um, of all the arenas, they create more of that. It's, I always call it like a Camden Yards effect. If, if you, it was brick throughout the arena. Uh, it just has a different texture than, than well, just about every other arena we play in. Yeah, no, it definitely felt very different. It was very, very cool. Um, and a great game. Uh, yeah, it was just, I was like, this is, this is awesome. Um, and I was curious to talk to you about it as someone who goes to all the arenas. And, and now we did that here on the radio. So thanks. Thanks for indulging me, Dave. <laughs> no, but you, you spot on. And, and it's, again, it's part of, as you saw the open, or uh, I think they still play this or whatever, but there's, you know, there is a special connection with Indiana basketball. Uh, oh, sure. And, and uh, uh, you you feel that and you, and you sense that, and it's not just Bobby Knight. It's 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 you know it, it's, it's the it's, high schools. It's it's I mean right. it's different than the connection that DC has, but it's like some distant cousin. Um, in that they they care about it in a way that is pure and different, and it's about the game versus about the stuff that goes with it. And um, there's a, there's a soul to it that that is cool and comes through in that that stadium and that crowd. And um, it was cool to be there on uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, Dave, have a great call tonight. Enjoy LA uh, and, until your next stop. And then I think you guys come back here, and I, m- I might even see you Wednesday night. Uh, so we'll we'll, we'll have okay. your people call my people, and uh, maybe I'll see you on Wednesday. All right, great stuff. And we'll be at Utah on Monday. But, yeah, we'll be eventually home. There so you go. Eventually, we'll come home. The story of the 2024 yeah. Wizards. All right, Dave. <laughs> right. See ya. See ya. That is Dave Johnson, play-by-play voice of the Washington Wizards here on the radio. Uh, 
Pre-game is 10.15 tonight. If you're watching on YouTube, I made a whoopsie. Uh, Tip-off is 10.30, not 10. So that means pre-game is at 10.15, not 9.45, as it says on the graphic. If you're on the radio, you're like, there's graphics? Yeah, you can stream our show on YouTube. So when you dri- you're driving in your car, you get home, and uh, go, ahead, go ahead and pop on the old YouTube at Team980 on your smart TV, and uh, we'll be there talking about sports, just like we are now. Uh, when we get back, uh, we'll wrap up the hour, and then Andrew Siciliano joins us coming up at 6 p.m. It's Hoffman Show. On a Friday, Anthony, you're an hour early, but that's okay. Still got that's Siciliano. All good, yes, sir. Still got Siciliano. We got a lot in store. Uh, we got my guy Q. Are the are the Raiders the team to watch in in trade up trade back watch uh, in the 2024 NFL draft? All that's still coming in the six o'clock hour uh, here on the Hoffman Show. Team 980 always live as well on the free odyssey app um i think it's gonna be i mean all these cap moves are coming in today i feel like it's gonna be an interesting weekend i, I wonder if there's anything that weird, like big time weird that happens you know i guess we could see the russell wilson uh cut come you could see trades happen this weekend so uh plenty to keep our eye on here uh all weekend long um i know russell's on sunday so if there's any big nfl news um he is on uh, cbs sports radio on sunday two to six um, we've got plenty of live local programming all weekend long on 1067 The Fan as well. Um, so plenty of stuff this weekend on all of that. Um, and also this weekend, just like a couple of random, this, oh, I guess a mini, we haven't done like a weekend preview in a while. We have not. Um, but we, we're going to do one, uh, do one now. Um, you got a couple like really random, not random, just like a couple things uh, going on this weekend that I think are worth, uh, worth noting. Uh, coming up on Sunday, uh, the U.S. Women's National Team will play Colombia um, in the CONCACAF W Gold Cup. Uh, did you catch what happened to them earlier uh, earlier in the week? I did not. They lost, bro. They got their butts kicked by USA? Mexico. Yeah, U.S. lost 2-0. Um, so they wound up finishing second in the group. They wind up uh, having a, to finish second. Uh, I think this is a good thing for my television watching because all these games have been like 10 o'clock at night, and now I get to actually watch them on Sunday. It's an 8-15 kickoff. And Columbia World Cup team uh, uh, a year ago um, features Linda Caicedo, um, who is a 18, she might be 19 now, but like teenage star, like one of the best 10 players in the world. She's ridiculous. Um, scored a couple of the best goals in the World Cup. So that that's Sunday. Um, also earlier in the day on Sunday, I think it's like a 1 p.m. tip off. You have Caitlin Clark's final game in an Iowa uniform, uh, for the regular season. Uh, you got, you got obviously big 10 tournament and NCAA tournament still to come, but the Caitlin Clark era of dominance in college basketball, uh, is coming to a close, uh, whether we want it to or not. Uh, she announced of course yesterday that you got, um, uh, you, she's going to the, the WNBA draft. Um, that's a couple weeks after Paige Becker's announced she isn't. So um, be a, be an interesting next couple of weeks here. Um, so you got that. Uh, those two big stories or big games. You got the combine this weekend. You Formula One's back this weekend. Um, spring training baseball is getting going this weekend. Uh, Anthony is going to be at a million high school basketball games uh, this weekend. So there, there's there's a whole bunch of sports all weekend long. Um, Premier League Soccer, I think, is on this weekend. I don't think it's a, it's an off week for that. So, like, this is one of my favorite times of year, Ant, because, like, we lose we lose football. That sucks. But kind of this crossover time where everything is happening, and, like, especially on a weekend where, like, I got stuff going, but there's always going to be something on. Yeah, it's too much going on, to be honest. Uh, you got the, the combine. You got um, 
teams in their uh, respective conference uh, conferences. Yeah, conference they're, tournaments they're, start like next week. Exactly. Those are uh, going to be starting soon. You got March Madness on the brink. You got uh, a couple of new hirings. Uh, Mike Jones, former DeMatha coach, he just got hired at um, at ODU as their uh, next head coach. Mm. Actually, Willard in general, he's lost, I want to say, five or six or seven assistants the last two years, um, which is brutal because you got to – replenish when you, you end up losing so some hard. assistance. But, uh, yeah, um, Mike Jones, so, yeah, he just got the the gig down at ODU. But, yeah, there's a lot going on. And then high school locally, uh, we got a whole bunch of um, D.C. Uh, we have a whole bunch of tournaments. And actually right now St. John's is leading Jackson Reed in the D.C. State semifinals. Um, so it's a, it's a lot going on. I, so, I, I can't witness it all, but, you know, yeah, I can. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. And that's the thing is, like, you know, it's weird because you go to Indy and you feel like you miss everything else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's also what's hitting me here um, is like I was in Indy and if it didn't happen five feet in front of me, I didn't know about it. <laughs> and so, you know, you wind up going on Twitter trying to catch up, oh. all that kind of stuff. But it's just hard, except for I went to a, an NBA basketball game, of course. So there's that. Uh, I now have something stuck in my throat, <laughs> which is great. Uh, but Andrew Siciliano is going to join us next, and I'm gonna I'm gonna find my voice. Oh God, Anthony, go to commercial. Craig Hoffman. I was 13. I was fresh off my bar mitzvah. I've always wanted to go to a bar mitzvah. I know a decent amount of Jews do. <laughs> That's the crazy thing. The Hoffman Show. I actually think Anthony would be great at a bar mitzvah. I do too. Just out there on the <laughs> dance floor teaching kids new stuff. But, like, the kind of stuff that you want kids to learn. <laughs> I think that's right. On bucket list. Bar <laughs> On the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Black bar mitzvahs. Mozart top is a celebration. It's Hoffman Show, hour number three here on the Team 980. We're always live, of course, as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. Back in D.C. after a great week in Indianapolis, but uh, as, as you said throughout the show, brought plenty of goodies home with us. A couple conversations this hour from Indianapolis. Uh, I almost said from Las Vegas. Uh, one's kind of from Las Vegas. That one coming up at the bottom of the hour. My guy Q Myers, your boy Q, uh, if you're an ESPN radio late night listener. Um, he hosts Game Night, their national show overnights. Uh, but that is after, he's a two show a day kind of guy. Uh, he hosts Afternoon Drive on Raider Nation Radio uh, where he talks all things Las Vegas Raiders and that included a very long conversation with Antonio Pierce this week um, and and some very blunt comments from AP over the course of the last couple of weeks and throughout kind of this whole process about Jaden Daniels and just how much the Raiders love him. Um, and so I wanted to talk to Q about the possibility of a trade up to two to get Jaden Daniels uh, with with Washington. What would that look like? Um, we're we're going to have him play Tom Telesco, and I'll play Adam Peters. Uh, I, w- I will say, as we had this conversation, obviously, earlier in the week when I was still in Indy, it wasn't a very tough negotiation um, because what the Raiders have to offer is, is immense and, and is really um, enticing. But at the end of the day, um, it's going to come down to whether Washington likes these quarterbacks, uh, or is willing to move out. And that's going to depend on, again, that, that quarterback evaluation. What do they actually think of Drake may? So, 
your boy Q, a.k.a. my boy Q, coming up at 6.30. Uh, right now, though, uh, another great conversation from there in Indianapolis, a guy who I've been lucky enough to know for a long time, thanks to the uh, the Newhouse Mafia, as we call it, another Syracuse guy, uh, Andrew Siciliano, uh, NFL Network. He's a, he's a D.C. guy or D.C. area guy, uh, not to make uh, – those that are from from the district to upset. Uh, he's a Reston, Virginia native, but grew up huge, huge Washington fan, um, and, and and guy who's been around this area a long time knows it well. His family still lives here, um, so pays close attention to what's going on in D.C. But he also has a really interesting perspective um, as not only as a guy who hosts nationally and covers all thirty two teams for NFL Network, um, but is someone who lives in L.A. and and has been front row for the Caleb Williams experience this past couple of years um andrew leads the uh the senior bowl coverage for nfl network down a mobile every year so he's got a really great feel for a lot of the prospects or really all the prospects that went there he calls that game play by play um he's around the rams a lot because he does their preseason play by play so um he's got a great perspective uh and he's he's got so many different uh, things i think he also does the browns radio play by play so like Andrew's Andrew's a football guy uh, inside and out. Always enjoy chatting with him. Last year, he crashed uh, my interview with Sam Fortier. This year, it's just Andrew and I as planned one-on-one. So here's that chat from earlier the week in Indianapolis. What's up, man? How are you? Greg, how are you? Good to see you. A a, a combine tradition here? Yes. Yeah. I had Fortier yesterday. So last year, we we just merged that all into one. So I'm just checking all my Syracuse boxes. Look at that. Here you go. I mean, there's. Uh, can we find you more SU guys? Who else is here? Yeah, I saw Thamel walking around. Thamel, okay. He had his big uh, Caleb Williams story this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? There's, there's guys everywhere. It's the nature of things. You know, we're just. There's a lot of us. What can there, I say? There, there are a lot of us. <laughs> yes. So uh, last year when we talked, you know, is you know, is, is the team going to get sold, or really more, who is it going to get sold sure. to? And you think of uh, kind of where the the team is now. Everything's football. Everything's this number two pick. The, the, the fortunes of the franchise could not be more different, but this is a fairly important decision they have to make with what to do with number two. As we sit here today on the end of February at the Combine, like where, where do you think that they head, and, and is there any like must in your opinion, whether it's they must stay there and take a quarterback, they must do this, they must do that? L- let me ask you this, and I'm not trying to answer a question with a question, but I'm going to. Okay. Um, what would you give up to move to one? Honestly, not much. Not much. Like okay, then you're not going to move. Yeah, then, yeah. Then you're I, I think I think the swings and the draft capital are more enticing. But that also has to do with like the risk I think that is involved in Caleb versus what's the risk? He does, there's just not a lot on schedule on tape, and sure. I I am. But do you realize how bad that line is? It's not good, and yeah, you would know you, better than. And me do you a, do you realize that he had to score 50 points a game because the defense was that bad? I, yeah, I think he's really good. I just I wonder, like here's so here's we should just flush out this discussion because I've been thinking about this a lot the last couple of weeks and you're a good guy to to flush this out with right. Everyone wants Mahomes because of course everyone wants sure. Mahomes. He's not Mahomes, right? That's unfair to anyone. But and, but I tend there to there are some similarities. But I, I guess what I would say then is if you're not going to get Pat, who's one of one, are you better off going the 49ers method of let's build out? everything okay and at that point multiple draft picks over multiple years is more important than one singular quarterback let me ask you this what if he were josh allen how many super bowls does he have how many super bowl appearances does he have if i could tell you and this is all hypothetical he's not his name is caleb williams he's neither of those people sure right 
if I could tell you that you can get Josh Allen, would you make that move? Do, do you remember what the Bills gave up to move up to seven? I don't remember what right. they gave up. No, that's my point. Nobody ever remembers what it is you give up if you get sure. the guy. But, and to be clear, you know, I would take Josh Allen in a heartbeat. Exactly. You remember, everyone in Cleveland remembers what the Browns gave up for Deshaun Watson because the fan base isn't sure yet if he's the guy. Right. But they went and did that because they saw Patrick Mahomes and they saw Josh Allen and they saw Lamar Jackson and they went, we need to go get the guy. And this is who we think it is and so we're going to go all in. If they think he's the guy, then go get him. Now, you have to have a willing participant in Chicago who's going to do it. You know, I think the commanders are in, are in a... I want to say a difficult position, but look, they're not in a bad position. No. Like, if the answer is Drake May, I think Drake May is going to be a good quarterback. Now, there are plenty of people that go, yes, but there's a gap between him and Caleb, but is Drake May worthy of being the second overall pick? Absolutely. And I think he can be a transformational piece for this franchise, and you don't have to do anything. You just sit there, and you wait, and you have your extra draft capital from, um, you know, Chase Young or whomever. Right? right, and and you 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 keep building, and I guess that's the kind of the, the the crux of this theory here is like, are you better hitting a B B plus, let's say, in Drake May, mm-hmm. and whatever other pieces that you would have to give up to turn that B plus into an A, and know that like then the there's I don't say an undue burden, but there's a much higher burden on Caleb Williams because you don't have as many pieces to support him. It's a fascinating theoretical and hypothetical and, and, and structural conversation. Like, I'm going to lean on, on my guy Daniel Jeremiah, um, who, who is the best of the best, and he will always quote Ozzie Newsom from when he worked with the Ravens, saying, hey, man, in the first round, I, I, I don't need to hit home runs. I need to keep hitting doubles. If I hit a – like, if all our first-round picks are doubles, we're going to be great. And that, that is great. But when you're picking a quarterback at two, you have to hit a home run. If you don't, it sets your franchise back right. years and years. And I guess that's kind of years. That's kind of my thing is like if you have to hit a home run, I at think two, Drake, I think Drake May can be a home run. Well, then what do you have to like you have to hit a grand slam then if you trade up to one? Correct. Yeah. Are there enough guys on base? No, I think yeah, we've well, lost look, the analogy. It, see, it, it's it's I think the commander's conversation is oddly enough a little bit more complex than the bears conversation everyone thinks it's like this binary choice between fields and caleb williams i don't think it is like i think you could trade both like i i don't disagree with think, that by think the about way. like if if drake may is a home run why don't you trade justin fields i'll make up compensation a two and a five okay Maybe maybe it's a three and a five, and the three can go to a two, something like that. And then trade one, like move down to two. Sure. Let's say you can get two ones to do that, hypothetically. And you get Drake May and that bonanza. Like, yeah. To me, that's door number three for Ryan Poles that the fans in Chicago just aren't grasping. Now I don't know if Ryan. I mean, it would take stones to do that. Right. It would take. Huge. Well, see, this is this is that. kind of the whole thing with all of and Andrew Siciliano, NFL Network, is our guest. Um, this is kind of the thing that is the crux of all of this. Is in order for one of these trades to happen, there needs to be a disagreement between the two teams involved on the value of the player that is being traded up for, right? Because if if Washington thinks the Caleb Williams is Pat, then there's almost nothing you wouldn't give up. Correct. But if Chicago thinks Caleb Williams is Pat, 
there's no price that you could pay. Correct. So there's got to be a disconnect somewhere. Yes. I, I, I think, I, now, I, I am firm in believing this. The Bears should trade Justin and reset the quarterback clock. Financially, organizationally, it's the only thing that makes sense. Because, and this is what people in Chicago, the fans, and, and, and listen, I love that they love Justin, and I love that they want to defend Justin, but here's what they're not getting, and I don't know if they're being asked this for this thought experiment, but if you keep Justin, okay, let's say you trade the pick, and let's say, let's say you move down to eight. It's ridiculous, but let's say Atlanta moves up, right? Right. And, and you go to eight, and, and you're, then you're not taking a quarterback there. You're keeping Justin. You're doing whatever. Are you ready to pay him now? Right. He is entering year four. Right. Okay, so this is the window. After year three, you got to Which pay is, him. by the now, way, why I don't want Washington to trade for him, even though I like Justin Fields a lot. Yes. You'd have to pay him. Right. Um, now, you could do what the Dolphins did. That was unique with Tua and the concussions. They punted on that, and they're heading into year five now. Now they're going to pay him. It worked out okay for them. Um, but the contract begins at Daniel Jones. That's where it begins. Right. So are you ready? And by the way, you're probably not getting an un- another unprecedented cap spike next year to make that more palatable. Right. So are you ready to pay minimum 40, realistically 45 to 50 for Justin Fields and make a nine-figure commitment, guarantee, tomorrow to Justin Fields? You could wait a year. You could. But if you're going to pass up on number one and keep him, I mean, you're getting married. Yeah. Right, like you're making the commitment, right? Right. So, are you ready to pay Justin Fields that money? And Bears fans, like, do you love him that much? And I like him, but like do you him love him that much that you're gonna make a nine-figure guarantee? And by the way, you better than draft Marvin Harrison. Yes, and that so that's, or or Olufashanu or Alt Joe Alt or Romadunze, yeah. whoever it is that you like the best. Right. That so the, Harrison is the other guy that is looming over this draft that I think is interesting, and it does seem like the gap between Adunze, Harrison, and uh, Malik Neighbors has has shrunk a little yeah. bit. Um, but if Harrison is like a generational talent. Mm-hmm. That is something that becomes harder to pass up, and I also wonder if that throws a monkey wrench because we all just assume that it's going to be Caleb Drake jaded in some order one, two, three. But does someone take the leap and go, you know, it's also really good for a quarterback, a Hall of Fame receiver, and we think that Marvin Harrison is that guy. As you talk to people around the league, like, is there anyone going like, hey, don't forget about, don't forget about Harrison? So I, I think Marvin can get into the top three at three. If the Patriots bring in a veteran quarterback, wait for it, like Justin Fields. Right. Like, if you're the, if you're the Patriots, do you flip a two to the Bears and say, we'll take Justin Fields, and then you don't even have to go Marvin Harrison. You can go Joe Alt at three if you really wanted to. Sure. Right? I, and that's where I think it gets interesting, is if, let's say the Patriots get a veteran quarterback, don't feel the need to take a quarterback at three, then do they stick or are they now in the business of getting out and somebody comes up? Everyone's like, well, it's about the fourth quarterback. Like, is J.J. McCarthy the fourth quarterback? And, um, like, I can't remember. I had on uh, one of the PFF guys that I'm blanking um, on a couple of weeks ago who said J.J. McCarthy doesn't own the draft but basically said J.J. McCarthy is determining this draft. Yeah. I'm like, what? And then he made the good point. So after, once the top three go, in the top three in all likelihood, if J.J. McCarthy is the fourth and his stock... Which we'll know by the end of the weekend. 
It might, right. yeah. Because if he goes out and runs a four, sure. low four fives and comes in at 215 yeah. and all that right. and rips the ball and the drills. And if his stock keeps going up, then does someone, look, Denver, whomever, feel they need to trade up and get into the top ten and then just mess everything up to get him? <laughs> yeah. I'm not giving you any solid answers. I'm just talking in circles here because well, I don't have an answer. I don't know. Andrew, this is what we do for three I, hours I don't day. know what the – look, I, I think – the commanders could very easily sit there, take take Drake May, and just be happy and yeah. keep building. We're, we're in silly season. Nobody yeah. knows anything. We're expected to do these shows with some sort of certainty, and the reality is none of us know anything. Like, I think if commanders fans just went down a YouTube hole like, and watched some of the throws Drake May makes. Sure, they're all gonna, there. You're going, I want that guy. Yeah. Right. But like so, this is this is the. So I will apologize to the listeners because they have heard this before. But for for your background, I made a huge mistake in the QBE evals because I accidentally, with no background at all, just picked random games to start watching. And I think I watched one of Caleb's worst games. Mm-hmm. I watched Drake's actual worst game, and I watched Jaden Daniels' best game. So I'm like, I don't know. Daniel seems like that he should be the guy that's QB one. Um, it does feel though this week is uh, people are doing more than watching one game and random having you know having small sample sizes that the actual professionals that are paid to do this are doing it. It does seem like May at two is solidifying in a way that is very different than it, it was trending at the end of the season. Are you hearing the same? Uh, yeah, things and I, why I, I do you think, think so. Is? I mean, look, I think at the end of the season. It's funny because if you go into last year, there were people that loved Drake May enough where, like, Bruce Feldman and I were talking about this in September. And because I knew Bruce had said this, we had the conversation off the air, and I said it on the air. I go, Bruce, are there teams that have Drake May ahead of Caleb Williams? And he said, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, people were blown away. Blown away. That was 22 in sep- tape is yeah. sick. That was, that was in September. Now, I don't know that there are any of those teams now. And, and which makes no sense because Caleb seemingly took a step back this year. Right. I, I don't know that he did. Yeah. I, 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 I don't. I mean, are they really going to knock him because he had an emotional moment with his mother in the like? Stop right. it. Just people. People want to take. Look, we're we're in the teardown season as well. Like yes. go back to CJ last year. Yeah. We're in the teardown season, and I think people that want to tear Caleb down it has nothing to do with him. Um, I think there is some legitimate uncertainty um great article in the athletic today about just the process behind it you know his dad i think his dad wants to break the draft i think that's the best way to say it um and and maybe this conversation for 10 years from now where nil money and players have bandied together and they fight the league and say we want free agency coming out of college look that we may have to cross that bridge in a decade i think caleb williams dad is a decade ahead of it though it's nothing's going to change, and he's. It's not like he's going to refuse to show up for the Bears. No, he's going to get like number one pick money. It's slotted, but it's real good. Yeah, and he's, he also was paid really well at SC the last two years. And that's the thing we're we're drafting professionals now. Right. How have you like? How do you think that is actually literally changing the draft? That reality of you're dealing with different young people than you were five years ago, well, there, the last 10. There's, there's two things. Number one, it changes the talent pool because plenty of players go back to school. Sure. Right? Like, there were quarterbacks that could have been in this draft that chose to go get a payday in the transfer portal. Like, hey, I, I might be a fourth-round pick. I could go make good money and switch teams and play another year of college football and maybe 
boost my draft stock, right. why wouldn't I stay here and get paid? Yeah, so it, it changes the talent pool. Um, and I do think it, it's it's an interesting personality study. I think it's um, because you always, and DJ has said this as well, like when you're analyzing a draft prospect, you, you always want to ask, like, or any young person, how is this person going to handle success? How are they going to handle failure? How are they going to handle money? How are they going to handle being an adult in the real world? Well, you, you have more of a right. more of a sample size now because, you know, they're handling money and handling the real world. Andrew Siciliano, NFL Network, is with us. NFL Network's coverage all weekend, uh, of course, of the Indianapolis Combine. And then it continues, that your draft coverage. Funny enough, it doesn't stop in Indianapolis. No. It starts in Mobile. Yes. Famously. And, well, and honestly, free agency on yeah. March 11th as well. That's that's the next big event on the calendar after yep. this. So uh, you can watch all that uh, all the way through the draft and, and NFL 24-7, 365. That's why you guys exist. Uh, so the other... I think one of the other interesting things that we're kind of running out of time uh, on uh, in terms of the, the dr- this draft is, like, the COVID year stuff mm-hmm. is finally wrapping up. Yeah, you have six-year – you have yeah. a lot of six-year and, and guys. I'm sure draft. this was had to be a topic at the Senior Bowl. And you also have then the looming draft class next year, which specifically the quarterback position does not look strong. For now. How is that – which, of course, yeah. right? But how is that impacting – the draft this year I, I joked at the senior bowl it's actually the senior bowl like they're all really right. old yeah um not everyone but there are a lot of six-year guys right in the senior bowl famously Jaden daniels who wasn't at the senior bowl right but he played with brandon Ayuk, and sure you know, you've got all these guys that were in the same high school class as guys who were signing second contracts I mean, sam hartman's nickname in the notre dame locker room was grandpa right right and with that beard i mean he looked like the guy from the what's you know, or the just for men commercial from the '90s, right? I mean, he 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 looks like, you know, Michael McDonald singing. Anyway, I digress. Um, it is an older draft class, I think. So it used to be this thing. Well, we want the 20 year old player, right? Right. We're not going to draft like Baker Mayfield's too old. What uh, the Michael Penix? I mean, look at Sam yeah. Hartman. Look at I mean, all these older Bo. quarterbacks. Bo. I mean, Bo, Bo Nick started 61 games in college. It's crazy. So um, I think the league has to get over, especially when it comes to quarterback, the age thing. They have to. It, it's just it's just a fact. Caleb is young. The other guys are not. Um, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Sione Vaki, who is a safety at Utah. Fascinating player. Um, he actually played both ways. He was a, He's a safety. He's also a third down back. Oh. Like the guy ran. He guy scored like 10 touchdowns, ran for 600 yards, caught 40 passes, and picked off couple of passes and made 70 tackles like nice. fascinating two-way player yeah. he went on a mormon mission and then came out after two years so he's a true sophomore but with the mission he was one of the younger players at the senior bowl even though he had been in college or out of four years out of high school you would think yeah. no, no, he was one of the younger players because there were so many six-year guys it used to be the kid that went on the mission was right. the really old kid in the draft. Right. He's the young guy That's at the Senior Bowl. So it's changed a lot. Um, I think teams just have to get over it. At, at certain skill positions. You'd prefer young, but it's just not always going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Siliano, NFL Network. Uh, do it again, same time, same place next year? Sure, let's do it, Craig. Thanks again to Andrew Siciliano, NFL Network. Of course, NFL Network's coverage of the NFL Combine ongoing all weekend 
long. Uh, it's already underway today. Uh, starts at one o'clock Saturday and Sunday. You heard Pelissero earlier in the show, Lance Zerline earlier in the week, uh, and there's Siciliano with us here on the Hoffman Show. We get back one final chat from Indianapolis. Q Myers, Raider Nation Radio, their afternoon drive host. We sat down and talked about the possibility for the Raiders and Commanders to make a trade for that number two pick and why Antonio Pierce is so in love with Jaden Daniels. And here's, the, I think, the important part. Does it matter? Like, he's the head coach, not the GM. Q has all the answers next on the Hoffman Show. It's the Hoffman Show. Final half hour here on the Team 980. We are always live on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. And if you are not subscribed on YouTube or to our podcast feed, there's so much for you to catch up on. Uh, unless you just listen live every single day, all three hours. What a week it's been. All the interviews from out in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. Uh, one final one for you coming up in about 60 seconds. But we've had uh, Andrew Siciliano, uh, Tom Pelissero, um, we had uh, Lance Zerline from NFL.com on set. Matt Miller and Jordan Reed from ESPN. Uh, great local coverage from Sam Fortier, Nikki Javala, Ben Standing, JP Finley, Mitch Tischler. Like, it's all up on YouTube. It's all in our podcast feed. So however it is that you prefer to watch or listen to the show on demand, make sure you check it out at the Team 980, at Craig Hoffman, or search The Hoffman Show in your favorite podcast app. All right, final conversation from Indianapolis is uh, I, he on the radio goes by your boy Q. Uh, he's my boy, though. We've known each other for a long time, as we'll talk about off the top of this interview, but he hosts Afternoon Drive, Raider Nation Radio uh, out in Las Vegas. He also hosts nationally on ESPN Radio. Uh, here's my chat about the potential for a Raiders Commanders trade with Q Myers, Raider Nation Radio. On Radio Row in Indianapolis with the busiest guy in <laughs> Indy. He's literally the first guy here and the last guy out. Q Myers, who I... God, how long have we known each We've other? We've been now? rocking for a while, man. A Back while. I was ESPN in Central Cent Texas. Yeah, yeah I think you were in Dallas at first, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you guys would have me on as kind of NFC East guy when yeah. I was in, uh, doing the beat job. And, and now here we are. Look at us uh, on Radio Row in Indianapolis. Uh, Q, host of Game Night on ESPN Radio, nationally weeknights. But for our purposes, uh, also host of Afternoon Drive on Raider Nation Radio in Las Vegas. Because I, I this kind of, hey, let's do this on the air. Started when I was talking to you over at your table the other day yeah off air about like hey are the Raiders in the the trade-up market because obviously Washington at that second pick could be somewhere that they target uh, as a potential trade-up so how like what what is that situation do you think in Las Vegas in terms of the the desire to trade up and specifically for a quarterback there's no doubt there's no doubt they're 100 in the market of wanting to trade up right i mean we talked to antonio pierce yesterday and he said i'm tired of band-aids this organization is tired of band-aids got to go and get a franchise quarterback get that guy whoever it could be now you know how it goes you have to have a dance partner you can't just say i'm going to trade right. with hey washington we're going to trade with you well, we don't want to trade. That doesn't matter. We're going to trade. Can't do that, right? right? So it's not, it's not Madden with uh, you know right. controls turned off. Exactly. Over, trade but override. The yes. desire is one hundred percent there, and it's funny. I was talking this morning when I got in, and you know, I was told, "Q, you know, if they want Jaden Daniels, which obviously there's the connection between Antonio Pierce. They he recruited him to Arizona State when when Jaden Daniels won the Heisman. He shouted out AP. So obviously there's a, a tight bond there. He was in the locker room." following the Week 18 game, the victory over Denver at the end of the season. So they're, they're kind of in lockstep with each other. To get him, probably have to go up to number two. He's already creating a lot of buzz. Well, obviously, Washington sits at number two. Right. 
Um, so let's let's talk about that relationship because it's obviously super tight yeah. between AP and Jaden Daniels. But ultimately, Tom Telesco, the new general manager, comes over from the Chargers. Like, whose whose call is that? How how's the power dynamics there? And or is does it not matter because we think Telesco's on the same page as AP? I think Telesco's on the same page. But again, talking to AP, we spent about 25, 30 minutes with him yesterday, and a lot of a lot of good like little nuggets came out of that. And he kept mentioning that, hey, you know. I'm a guy that's a go-getter, right? You do what you got to do to go get that guy, right? He's all that's Telesco's call, but he knows where I stand, right? So I think that there's no doubt about it that he wants him to do everything, exhaust every measure to go get his guy, Jaden Daniels, at, at, at number two if, if, have to, if it has to be number two, right? I mean, most of us thought number three. Everyone was kind of targeting New England. All right, well, maybe they'll trade back because they're not ready to really take that next step. But it feels like with all the buzz here at the Combine that – if you don't get up to number two, you might not get your guy. Yeah, it definitely is a might. I will say it does feel like the the tides have turned a little bit towards Drake May yes. at two for yes. Washington. Is yep. that like a sigh of relief in Las Vegas? I don't know. I mean, because I don't could be expensive I, as hell, <laughs> right? I, I don't know how much. I don't know how much is you know smokescreen if it's real. I mean, I'm not super high on Drake May. I'm just not. I just you know I saw what he did last season, and you know I feel like that he's got you know a little bit to prove here at the combine. Just in the interview process, I mean, you can turn on the film and see what it looks. like. Like, I, and then, you know, there's the Cliff Kingsbury effect. You know, would he work better with Drake Mayer? Would he work better with Jaden Daniels? And I just feel like after the combine Friday, we'll talk to the guys. You'll see them throw. And obviously, Jaden's not throwing. Drake's not throwing. Caleb's not dro- throwing. That's fine. But I just feel like Caleb might, or uh, Jaden might come out of this this combine and people are like, yeah, you know what? That, that could be even the number one overall pick, even though we know Caleb's going to be the guy. Yeah, uh, Q Myers, Raider Nation Radio, ESPN Radio with us here on the Hoffman Show. So let's say, you know, you, you get to play uh, Tom Telesco. I get to yeah. play Adam Peters. You give me a call, and I'm like, all right, hey, remind me, what draft capital you got? What what are we talking about here? What What's in the Raiders' stockpile? All right, so, of course, they're going to flop flop picks this year, right? 13, the Raiders have number 13, and, and Washington has number two. So then you throw in, what, a 2025 first-round pick, third-round pick, 2026 first round pick, maybe another third round pick. And I mean, if you got to throw a player in there as well, you want Hunter Renfro. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that there's yes, really. Yes, actually, that, that, that is someone I'm very interested well, in. Well, there you go. There you go, because he's really in no man's land in, 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 in Vegas with the Raiders. I mean, a guy went from 100 catches, 1,000 something yards to barely being on the field, right? 13 snaps why, a game. Why is that, by the way? Because that like, was a McDaniels thing. It started with McDaniels. AP tried to get him back involved, and it felt like he was just too far gone. But, you know, he, he got injured. Uh, one week against the Cardinals, I believe, in, in 2022, and just never seemed to work. And it's weird because he's a slot receiver, and McDaniels has always done really well with slot receivers, so what's wrong? But, well, yeah. <laughs> it didn't go well. Yeah, no, It didn't go well as McDaniels got fired on Halloween, so there's that. Yeah, the, the, slot, the slot position is one that I think Washington needs this offseason. Um, there you go. Obviously in the draft is a way you could do it, or you could trade and get multiple first-round picks and your slot receiver and not have to use one of this. Look, we just made the deal. Yeah, I mean. (laughs) We just made the deal for him. I I, I will say this. Like, I think there's a a very wise sentiment in Washington circles, fans, media, Mm -hmm. et cetera, people that have sat in that chair this week that have gone, look, you need a quarterback. How often are you going to pick a number two? Just take the freaking quarterback. Right. And that is, if, if that is how you feel, I get it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's crazy. My only caveat to that is, what do you think of the quarterbacks? Because if, if they think 
of Jaden Daniels or Drake May, frankly, right. um, what I think is irrelevant. What if they think um, that that dude is that dude? Right. You don't make that trade. Right. If you're yeah. not that sure, you're not convinced. I'm taking your deal in a heartbeat, bro. Right, for Give sure. Me, do you, I, I got 13 this year in a you know kind of wacky but deep draft. Um, or I should say wacky top heavy draft. Right. Um, and by the way, I got two for I can own potentially the next couple of years because I don't. I, here would be the other part of this, right? How good do you think? The, let's say they get Jaden Daniels. How good are the Raiders next year? They've got they've got a lot of weapons on offense. I mean, you've got you know Josh Jacobs. I'm, I'm assuming is going to return. AP's a big Josh Jacobs guy. Devontae Adams is there. Jacoby Myers played really well. The offensive line needs some work, but I think that the Raiders are are in a better position, a lot better position than they were obviously this year. And and with AP, they went five and four down the stretch so with the fourth round pick in in Aiden O'Connell leading the charge. Jaden Jaden Daniels is a huge upgrade. So at that point, you're thinking, okay, maybe it's not a super high pick, but I'd also, if I'm Adam Peters, I'm going, it is a rookie quarterback. Right. So, like, am I picking top 10 next year with this pick? And maybe in 2026, that first rounder is a little less enticing. Yeah. But, you know, maybe at that point, my first rounder is hopefully less enticing too. Well, and I could, if I want someone higher, I can package the two and trade up. And on top of that, if you do get number 13 overall, and maybe you like a Michael Penix, maybe you like a Bo Nix, maybe McCarthy, you like a J.J. Yeah. McCarthy. And I'm not saying you do, but right. maybe, right? And so maybe that's a, an, an option that you have. You also have a very deep offensive tackle uh, class. And and, and what team doesn't need offensive tackle? Uh, Washington receiver. needs two of them. Right, exactly. So, I mean, there's multiple things you can do, but it's, it's going back to what you said. If you're in love with one of those quarterbacks, then you don't pass them up. You just right. go ahead and do it. But right. if you're not, if you have any questions, make the deal. And, you know, Trevor Sikkim sat in that chair yesterday, PFF. His mm-hmm. latest mock is kind of a thought experiment. He explained, you know, I, I just traded Washington twice. I tra- he went back to 12 with okay. Denver okay. and then went up to 10 to get McCarthy. And you still wind up with a quarterback, a right. hall, etc., potential control of some future drafts i'd probably rather do that with denver because i think uh <laughs> i think that uh you know they're going to be worse than vegas in the long term but right. is uh is what it is all right uh q myers you can listen more of the vegas side of things on raider nation radio uh and then of course uh espn radio 10 a.m to or sorry 10 p.m to 1 a.m weeknights nationally uh espn radio app etc q good to do it it's uh, always good, my is man. This the first time you've been on one of my shows after all yes. these years. About <laughs> I returned time. the favor finally. I, 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 about <laughs> seventy-eight more, and we'll be even. But hey, there you go. They're gonna be this good. We'll, we'll do it again tomorrow. All right, uh, that's Q Myers with us here on the Hoffman Show live on Radio Row. That is our final chat from Indianapolis. I got no more in the bag, at least on the. Uh, well, well, that's actually not true. I got no more on the radio side. Uh, but, but, but. On Take Command on Monday, one of the best football conversations we've ever had, we went deep on quarterback with Nate Tice of The Athletic and Yahoo Sports. Uh, Me, Logan, Nate, and to be honest, I just sat back and tried to let those guys talk as much as possible and then occasionally interjected a a thought for them to, to chew on, spit out, digest. I guess you don't spit out, then digest. You either do one or the other. The point is... It was a fantastic conversation. If you're not subscribed to Take Command, um, we did our annual crossover episode. Uh, my my fitness podcast, the Train with the Best podcast, crossed over with uh, Take Command because the, the combine is where performance training and football meet. So we talked about guys like Marvin Harrison, 
choosing not to work out, uh, not just at the combine, but period, and, and just focus on training for football? Like, what does that actually look like, the implications of the decision and then uh, the training itself? So very cool special episode is out now on Take Command and on the Train with the Best Feed. Um, and then Monday, the conversation with Nate Tice, the last one we have from Indianapolis overall. You missed any of the ones here on the radio, though, make sure you check out, again, the YouTubes and the podcast Feed. When we get back, final order of business of the day, real things real people said into real microphones. Wrap it up here on the Hoffman Show. It's the Team 980. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. You can stream us on YouTube at the Team 980. Um, but what a week. Um, bad news today. Uh, Charles Leno released um, big cap savings for the commanders there also puts a gigantic hole at left tackle there also makes you wonder what they do with Andrew Wiley um, whether it's keep him cut him move him inside um, you know all of a sudden if you need two starting tackles like that's that's a big deal in free agency where this tackle class isn't loaded uh, and obviously you're gonna have other ideas with your top pick um, you know, you wonder if that makes moving down or something more enticing, uh, trading back into the first round, uh, you know, now all of a sudden, do you feel like you need to package one of those two second rounders and something later or something future for an extra first rounder this year? Um, you know, not, not, uh, to replace two or as part of a trade down with two, but do you move up, uh, from the top of the second back into the first and whatever cost that is to get a Tyler Guyton out of Oklahoma, um, someone like that that is is more of a starting caliber tackle from day one in this draft, especially when some tackles could get pushed down because of the the insanity of the wide receiver class. And obviously, uh, as many as four quarterbacks going in top 10, it looks like as of now with J.J. McCarthy having a, a great week at the NFL Combine, and we'll see how he throws this weekend. So we've had news, and then obviously, you know, spent some of the week in Indianapolis. Um the interviews we had, I'm going to, I'm going to try to, let's see if I can pull this up real quick. How many people did we talk to this week? Uh, let's see. Ben Sandig, JP Finley, Lance Zerline. Uh, we had our round table with Ben Solak and, and, uh, Brooke Pryor. Nikki Javala was there. Uh, we went to, oh, we talked to Sam Fortier, uh, about Adam Peters and Cliff Kings or Adam Peters and Dan Quinn, what they said, uh, we talked to Trevor Sikama, Pro Football Focus. Uh, we talked to Nick Baumgartner of The Athletic, Matt Miller of ESPN, Jordan Reed of ESPN. Um, yeah, we had an insane week on Radio Row out there in Indianapolis. Um, Tom Pelissero, uh, NFL Network. Can, can't forget him, Andrew Siciliano. So the guests that we've had on today's show. Um, and I'm just really appreciative of everybody. Um, I'm really appreciative of the support you guys give us as listeners, uh, of the PR people that help set a lot of that stuff up, of uh, Ant and and Metal Chris and Vic, uh, all of whom are different people running the show this week uh, as, as Ant was on vacation and I was obviously then out and that's that's just chaos. Um, so yeah, it's I appreciate everyone uh you know, CK, our boss's support. Always thank the boss in your speech, kids. Uh, not that I'm giving a speech right now. This is the last segment of our radio show. The point is, it's been a good week. We had a lot of great stuff. You got all weekend to listen to it um, on the podcast feed if you like. Um, I, this weekend, will finally be participating in this race that I've been talking about for so long, High Rocks. So uh, if you want to see a cool fitness event, come out and buy a spectator ticket at the convention center in D.C. Uh, and somewhere in the 2 to 3 o'clock range, you'll see me and my wife running around, uh, lunging, th throwing a ball at a wall, uh, pushing sleds, running some more, skiing, rowing, 
all kinds of fun stuff. So we'll have a full report on whether or not I died on Monday. Yeah, that's, um, <laughs> if I show up Monday, things, things went well. Uh, if I, if I don't, well, you know what happened. Uh, also shout out to, to my guy, David Megida, uh, racing tonight in the elite 15 race. Uh, that's a, that's a YouTube situation if you want to watch it. Um, and then if you want to see the slower version, you come, you come watch, uh, the regular folks, the rest of us tomorrow running around the DC convention center. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, it's gonna be a great weekend. Um, really, really pumped. And, uh, yeah, that's, I'm, that's where my mind is wandering too, as this show is ending, but the show is not over yet. No, no. We have one more thing to take care of is the way we end basically every show. It is time for real things. Real people said into real microphones, real things, We're not gonna be f- this year. real people, five and 11, not very good. Said into real microphones. You know, the culture is actually damn good. Oh, that's what I heard. I heard the culture. Damn good. Damn good. All right. Uh, we got all kinds of quarterback stuff from Indy. We got kind of fun stuff from Indy, but I actually want to start. Uh, no, we'll end with the John Wall podcast. Yep. You heard what I said. We're going to end with the John Wall podcast. No, we're going to start, though. Uh, J.J. McCarthy. Did he Did he let something slip? Did he let a little piece of commander's strategery of Cliff Kingsbury's offense out of the bag? Just the overall energy, you know, I, it was my first one, so I was like super nervous, I'm not gonna lie. And uh, sweating a little bit, and you know, Coach Quinn was just awesome. I got to talk to uh, Mr. Peters right before the meeting, and you know, just a great vibe, very welcoming, and you know, going through the clips and everything. And Coach Cliff Kingsbury was just like, hey, if you get a matchup out here and you really like it, could you just, you know, switch it to a go on the outside? And I was something like, I wish. Just little stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it was just great to meet them, great to, you know, talk ball with them. I had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, hey, hey, if you got one-on-one on the outside, can you can you chuck that thing? What, you can't? That's an option in our offense? Cliff's air raid roots. Yeah, yeah, you get that matchup on the outside. It's not really know if it's air raid. It's just like that's Cliff. Hey, we got a matchup. Go ball. Let's do it. My guy versus your guy. Your guy's gonna lose. Uh, and I do wonder if that's gonna become a bigger part of Washington's offense. It's something that I think that Terry desperately wanted last year. Not just because he's a receiver and all receivers want the football and all receivers want go balls because they want to score long touchdowns, uh, but because it, he thought it would help their offensive line. Like, hey, just throw that thing up there. Predetermined, you let you pre-snap, not predetermined, but like predetermined based off the pre-snap. I'm one-on-one. They're coming with the blitz. We know it's one-on-one. Just throw it. I'll go get it, or I'll make sure they don't get it. And so I, I do think that could be a part of their offense. Um, I don't know if that's actually that revealing, but I thought it was funny that McCarthy, uh, who played for Jim Harbaugh uh, at, at Michigan, uh, was like, "Yeah, no, that's that's not quite how Coach Jim did things." Uh, other fun bits from the podium today USC quarterback presumptive number one pick Caleb Williams to USC wide receiver Brendan Rice uh, a couple of funny ones here how does it feel to be Jerry Rice's son I have, a, I have another question how do you feel to be Jerry Rice's son <laughs> Man, it feels even better to be a man, Caleb Williams. Okay, all right, all right, all right. My second question is, now I'm going to back this guy. Why should they draft you as a fantasy player? Should you be wide receiver one or you know, should you be the flex player? Ooh. Obviously, me and you, shoot. Uh, well, we have 45 catches in 12 times. 
That's something like that, man. Yeah. I had a pretty damn good quarterback. <laughs> Appreciate it. Have a nice day. Have a nice day. Caleb seems like a fun guy. Uh, and by the way, so does Brendan Rice. Uh, that sound courtesy of Colton Pouncey, Nikki uh, Javala uh, there in Indy to capture that first bite that we played for you. Uh, yeah, plenty of fun stuff from Caleb. Also, uh, more, I don't say serious, but like more substantive stuff from Caleb Williams. This one's from Nikki again on Williams' decision to not participate uh, in even the parts of the combine that most people participate uh, in, the medical. Um, not throwing, not doing medical, not working out. Why? Caleb Williams with the answer. Yeah, so for the medical stuff, I'll be doing the medical stuff, just not here in Indy. I'll be doing it at the team interviews. Um, you know, not 32 teams can draft me. Um, there's only one of me. Um, and so uh, the teams that I go to for my visit, um, you know, those teams will have the, the medical and, and, and that'll be it. Will you go to... 30-some games. So I... Talked about this earlier in the show, but I love this from Caleb Williams. Um, and I think for now, every, I would say almost every other player can't do this because almost every other player is going to be drafted by one of the 32. Um, now, in this particular draft, like a Drake May, a Marvin Harrison, like there's a couple guys that you know they're going top five. But even then, like, let's say you're guaranteed to be the top five pick, but you know, the Chiefs call your agent and are like, hey, we want to do medical because we really like your guy. And like, we might, like, we're going to explore a trade up. Like, I know it's far-fetched, but like, we want to just know because we're doing our due diligence and like, we think your guy's sick and we're going to be willing to give up our next two first rounders for him uh, if, if someone will bite. You have to probably then do the medical for the Chiefs. And so you wind up just doing it at the combine. But at the end of the day, it is your private medical information. And like, it's medical information like everything else is medical information. So at the end of the day for uh, Caleb Williams, like I get it here. I get being like, nah, man, we're not, we're not gonna play games with my private medical information. Um, we're not, and it's not even play games. Like we're not just gonna give that away because that's how it's always been done. And anyone could draft me. Like I know the bears are drafting me or the commanders or like one of five other teams. So if we make the determination that there's real interest and that they could come up to that number one pick, um, and we go on a visit, we'll do the medical with them. But every team doctor is not poking and prodding me. And I have a ton of respect for that. Um, and good for Caleb Williams. Um, all right. Last two funny ones. First, Jason Licht uh, found uh, Connor Rogers from Sports Illustrated because Connor Rogers thought the Bucks, uh, Jason Licht, or sorry, Jason Light, the uh, Bucks GM, they, he he thought they were going to suck last year. Jason Connor from SI, how are you? Hey, good, Connor. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How's everything? Good. Yeah, we uh, we no, no, we just we won a lot more games than what he uh, predicted us to get last year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, you had, you had us for two. I have it hanging up. I have it hanging up Do in my really? office. Yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> I have. Wait till I tell my boss. Like, so I'm, I was hoping that you were gonna uh, say that we're gonna win eight this year. So does that mean that we're gonna win? <laughs> we gotta multiply. By yeah. And so you guys are two, and the Patriots with eleven. So the rubric's off. I'm glad I finally got to meet you. What do we say? We gotta go back to the drawing board. We have to look at the film. That's what we have to do. <laughs> Connor took that well. Good job, Connor. Uh, also, great job, Jason Light. That's hilarious. Um, you know, we get stuff wrong sometimes. We is me. Sometimes it's me. All right, last but not least, this is this is funny. Uh, Boogie Cousins was on John Wall's podcast. What a sentence. Welcome to 2024. And uh, they talked about John's one year at Kentucky uh, and, and what happened in the NCAA tournament. 
and it involves a current NBA head coach and Boogie not being psyched about it. Yes, Coach Joe Mazzula. Like, that game right there, bro, like, it's still to this day. Like, I be, ugh. Y'all know Joe Mazzula was guarding me in the back of that 1-3-1, right? Yes. And y'all motherfuckers wanted to keep shooting <laughs> threes, bro. I'm I like, shot, give I me shot. the ball. Bro. I was supposed to have... I was supposed to have 45 that game, brother. I had Joe Mazzula guarding me in the post. Man, that's You remember what I said to you after that game in the locker room when your ass was doing all that damn crying? I'm like, yo, what the f*** you crying for? You like, man, what you mean? I said, you the number one pick. What the f*** you crying for, man? I'm like, I failed this. I think that might be a little bit of the difference between John Wall and Boogie Cousins, that courtesy of the Point Game podcast presented by DraftKings. All right, that is our show for the week. That is our show, or for the day, that is our show for the week. Coming up next week, or NFL Draft Talk. We will have a full combine reaction on Monday. Uh, our conversation with Nate Tice from Take Command. We'll give you just a snippet of that here on the radio. Uh, and, and we'll see what else happens over this weekend. The Commanders made news, as we said, uh, at the top of the segment earlier today. He's talked about off the top of the show. Charles Leno uh, has been informed he's going to be released, so we might have more movement this weekend. That tends to happen this type, time of year. And there's other guys across the league getting these notices as well. So the, the kind of contour of the free agent market is is ever-changing, and this weekend's a big weekend for it. React to it all on Monday. See you then. It's Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Don't forget, Wizards, second of a back-to-back late night tonight here on the Team 980 from Los Angeles.